PBD Podcast episode 48 with Tom Ellsworth, BizDoc, as well as Matthew Sapala, Money Smart Guy. How are you guys doing? PBD, great. Great to be here again. Second week in a row. What yes, that's here. right. That's Good. right. That, that just means you're spending a lot of time in Florida. What do you, what do you, what do you like about Florida? You've been Bo- here now a couple times. Boca Raton, the land where you can just spend stupid money. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody here is driving a G-Wagon, Bentley. You know, everybody here's got a yacht. That's correct. I said the word yacht. I went to high school, got a diploma. That's how you spell it, like chair, chapter. So tell us why you're wearing the red shirt. What's the red shirt about? Red shirt's Friday. Marine Corps veteran, represent the military veteran community. Remember everyone deployed. We wear red on Friday. And uh, I remember uh, PBD being deployed to combat tours. And uh, I always told myself, listen, Lord, I must pray. God, if you just bring me back home, away from this, away from this, I promise I'm going to do something. And uh, I'm here, and I'm going to maximize the opportunity I have to come back to America, live the American dream, and make the most of the uh, entrepreneurial dream. And uh, this is uh, remember every, everyone deployed, because I know it's like to be there in the armpit of the world somewhere in a foxhole and just appreciate America and just freedom. and America. America. Gotta love America, man. What a special country. Okay, so uh, Mr. Thomas Ellsworth, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for serving, Matt. I thank said you. that to you more than once, but for thank sure. you very much for serving. Thank you for your a, support. Uh, uncle never came home from Vietnam, and I was very young at the time, wow. but I appreciate every single one of you that's done the thing for our freedoms. Amen. I'll take that on behalf of our brothers and sisters out there. Thank you for your support, Tom. By the way, in the military, you don't pronounce it yak. You pronounce it destroyer. Detroit. <laughs> you don't say yak. You say destroyer. Yeah, I got a destroyer parked outside and, yeah, you know, and next to my house. Mine layer cruisers, missile-guided cruisers. Hey, imagine going to a realtor, and you're having a serious conversation with your realtor saying, Will a destroyer fit here? Why? I have one. I'd like to park it right here. And uh, talking about ships, man, there's something going on with a ship in Suez Canal, Egypt. It's 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 causing mayhem around the world. We got to talk about that. Uh, we got to talk about Gen Zs getting screwed by remote uh, remote work, according to a Microsoft survey, which we'll get into. Facebook and Amazon are now the top lobbying spenders in the U.S. Incoming Amazon CEO Andy Jazzy picked a close ally when he hired Adam Selpsky to run its $51 billion auto cloud business. Tesla now accepts Bitcoin as payment. Dahlia says the Bitcoin community is pissed off with Dahlia right now. Sure, He sees good probability that Bitcoin would get outlawed. Citigroup CEO Jane Fraser calls for free Zoom free Fridays and new blank holiday as pandemic fatigue grows. WeWork is in talks to go public through a SPAC deal. Prince Harry gets a job. He sits on a board now, a billion-dollar Silicon Valley startup, as a senior executive. I don't know if the interview helped out or not, but he definitely got a job offer. He accepted it. Royal Caribbean just announced more fully vaccinated cruises this year, this time in the Mediterranean. Intel investing $20 billion in a new chip-making deal plant as part of the turnaround plan u.s jobless claim falls to 684,000 people fewer since pandemic and then we got new york pot legalization gets fast track on cuomo lawmaker deal miami mayor wants the federal government to help pay for elon musk to tunnel under his city which i'm sure bernie sanders is very very excited about <laughs> biden's you know, press conference that he did, first one. He uh, talked about re-election. He talked about borders. He talked about a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders gave some love to Trump. I don't know if you guys heard what Bernie Sanders said. Uh, Tom, did you hear what Bernie said? Bernie said, can you pull up the tweet on what Bernie Sanders said about Trump being banned from Twitter? He says, look, he may be a this, he may be a that, he may be a this, but I'm not comfortable about us banning a president from being able to use Twitter. So think about Bernie Sanders yeah. 
a guy who is uh, 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 let me read the top at the, what the headline is, uh, Kai. If you can go all the way to the top, Bernie Sanders against Donald Trump Twitter ban tomorrow. It could be somebody else. So even he mm-hmm. is saying that. And then yesterday, well, I'll translate somebody else. Just put the word me. <laughs> Meaning it could yeah, be himself yeah, yeah. being right. yeah. People with so what, what, do you, what do you think about Bernie Sanders defending Donald Trump in this area? I mean, does Bernie want Trump back on Twitter? No, Bernie wants the, the whole heavy left liberal uh, freedom of speech, even if it's inflammatory, because it could involve him. That's what I think he thinks. What do you think? Bob? I mean, that's this is cancel culture. I mean, this is uh, this is where we were talking about the big dangers of removing a freedom of speech. Even a liberal left socialist can say, "Hey, uh, we understand the gravity of getting deleted. I can get deleted off Twitter." Um, even they're admitting to this uh, this whole thing. So I like to see this uh, continue to evolve. Yeah, they say that thing can be aimed at me too. Yes, correct. What I like even about this, what I like about this is the fact that you know, at any point it could flip to somebody else. But if there was one person, no one in the world would have guessed that would come out defending be, Trump on Twitter, be Bernie. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> no nobody in the world would have expected Trump. And maybe this says something about Bernie's character. Here's what I think about Bernie's character. I think Bernie Likes a good fight. <laughs> Whether you like him or not, if there's one thing about Bernie you got to like, the guy's a guy who loves a good fight, and I think he misses fighting. Who's his enemy right now? Yeah, like, who's his quiet opponent? Month. It's been a really it's, quiet it's month. Ted Cruz. It's, he, now he's picking on Elon yeah. Musk. He's picking on Jeff Bezos. He kind of wants somebody to pick a fight on, and he needs Trump back on. Yesterday, Trump said he was asked by Laura Ingram, how does it feel not being active on Twitter and being able to message on Twitter Trump said, I have to be honest with you, I prefer press releases more than I do sending tweets because on press releases, I don't have a limit of 140 characters. <laughs> and on press releases, somebody looks over my paper when I write it, and then they come out and they, they can't say, well, you see, he said this word, he said that word. He says, I think it's working fantastic. Every time I write a press release, everybody on Twitter is talking about it, writing about it, which is working effectively. So <laughs> Trump is like, it's okay if we don't go on Twitter or not. People are think about uh, Trump potentially creating his own social network. We'll see what's going to happen yeah. with that. I mean, if he if he hires the right people, the right brains, he's going to need the right brains. A lot of people have uh, tried to create a social uh, media network. Yeah. I think the other thing he will need as well is he will need more than just Republicans and MAGA to use it for it because it would be another part. It would be a bigger sure. parlor yeah. is what it would be. But he will need a little bit of Hollywood. He would need a little bit of music. He would need entertainment, sports. He would need people there to want to participate. If not, I don't know if a lot of people from the other side are going to join the social media network. Uh, it would only be to hear what he has to say and criticize him and kind of go from there. Uh, okay, so you said you had strong opinions about uh, legalization in New York. Uh, uh, a pot legalization gets fast track on Cuomo lawmaker deal. So why don't we talk about that? Let me go to page six here on what happened with our buddy Cuomo. So Cuomo has not had the most exciting last few weeks. Now it comes out that New York is ready to legalize recreational marijuana. The state would impose special pot taxes and prepare to license dispensaries under an agreement reached by Governor Cuomo and legislative leader. The deal that legislative leader brokered with Cuomo would legalize cannabis use for adults 21 years years old and up and includes a 13% sales tax, 9% of which would go to the state and 4% to localities. Let me give that to you one more time. Mm The deal would allow cannabis used to be legal for 21 and up, 13% sales tax on it, 9 goes to the state, 4% goes to localities. 
The governor's office estimates that a legal cannabis program could pull in $350 million a year once fully implemented. Assembly Major Leader Crystal People Stokes said, with New Jersey legalizing marijuana earlier this year, we are literally surrounded graphically by other states that are doing it. We just need to stay ahead of times because we're New Yorkers. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can speed this up. Tom, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think you should take away the word cannabis and put in alcohol or lottery and then insert the word, the benefit will go to the schools. This is right out of the playbook of every state in the nation who understands when something's up and I can tax it and I can take advantage of it, and the wave of momentum is coming over them, they go with it. And I think New York's just going with it. And, you know, we're going to legalize alcohol and we're going to get a tax on it and the benefit will go to the schools. Do you think it's good or bad? But the question is, do you think it's good or bad? Because Let's face it. I know a lot of people in New York that would probably take advantage of this. I'm sure a lot of people in New York are going to go out there and say, okay, great. $350 million is $350 million. And God knows New York needs tax money because they lost a lot of people to Florida, which means they need to find a way to generate that revenue back. Just a basic question. Is this a good strategy or is this a bad strategy? I think it's good for New York. Well, you saw it in Chicago, Matt. What did you say? Yeah, Illinois. Uh, January 2020 is when Illinois made the sale of cannabis legal, recreational-wise. Uh, right before the pandemic, go figure. <laughs> when, this when is before? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Just in time for a chill year. Exactly. <laughs> so 10% was the sales tax in Illinois. Generate half a billion dollars in, in, uh, in revenue for Illinois. Literally from my office, PB, two blocks just north of my office is a recreational uh, marijuana lounge. I mean, you walk in there, it's beautiful. Like a cigar lounge. Oh, like a cigar lounge. You go in there and it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's it's well laid out. It's really nice uh, interior design. I mean, they decked it out. Really? Uh, apparently it's a chain. What was the address? <laughs> People it's, would like to know what the address is. Right, right, 220. What's, what's actually your name up? What's the name of the place? Uh, it's, uh, what is it? It's called Consume. It's called Consume. Go figure. Consume. They got it in Illinois. They got it in, in, in uh, Michigan. They got a bunch of dispensaries. Uh, there's a network. And it's literally two blocks away from our office. And, you know, I, for me as, as a parent, it's not only is it a revenue generator for Illinois, but it, it, it challenged me as a parent. Uh, you know, my, my, you know my, my kids, you know, Dad, everybody's smoking pot, everybody's smoking pot. And then I, I, was, I would discipline my kids for this, for, 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 for marijuana use. And the times I disciplined them, they didn't like it. And then, you know, my kids now older. You know, my, my son's 25, my twins are 19. They're like, oh, hey, well, Pop, it's, it's legal now all the time you, put, you, you disciplined us. So, yeah, I, you know, from a, from a parental standpoint, it's challenging because you have to, you know, stick to your values and principles, even though just because you could doesn't mean you should uh, type conversation with the kids. But from a revenue generator for those who are adult and those who you know what to do with it, whether the recreational, medicinal, got a bunch of veterans that uh, consume this uh, medicinally. That's what I'm thinking. What about what about you, Tom? What do you think? Well, going back to New York to answer the question directly, I think it's New York is surrounded by states that have taken the legislative approach. Let's tax it. Let's control it. Kind of being forced a little bit. Yeah, they're kind of being forced into the economic sanity and uh, stabilization. And you know, people are going to drive to Connecticut. People are going to drive to New Jersey or get a buzz and drive home. You know, one thing on this, I still feel very strongly about. No, I mean, breathalyzers are here to help monitor drunk drivers mm-hmm. and to keep the rest of us safe. Yep. And I think we still, I don't think anybody has talked about figuring out how do you judge a, a, a real device to see that if someone's impaired. Because I don't want people driving impaired, even if it's legal and, you know, my kids go to college and they smoke. If they do, if they choose, I'm, I, I want to build, bring up good standards about them, about being intoxicated, you know. But um, 
Wait, what? What just happened right there? If if you so if your kids are go to school and they drink and they 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 smoke weed and you want to bring good standards, I don't understand that part. No, so. what I'm saying is I, I want to equip them with great judgment skills. So as adults, That's, if they it. choose to in, indulge, you know, I have my feelings about what I hope they do and don't do. But if they choose to, you know, I want them to do so legally, ethically, with care and consideration for the fellow citizens. Mm -hmm. And I think on the marijuana side, we still don't have a good breathalyzer for marijuana because somebody's baked. I think it's a good idea. They're not driving heavy do equipment. Do we really not have anything for that yet? Is uh, driving under the influence? Of course, you have your breathalyzers for alcohol, but do you have any weedalyzers, <laughs> for lack of a better term? That's the point. So there's nothing right now to find out if somebody's smoking weed and driving. My understanding, there is not a consistent, approved 50-state device the way the breathalyzer and the blood test at the hospital for alcohol. Question becomes, do they drive better or worse? <laughs> That's the question. And what do they see? Do they see new cars? Do you see, like, unicorns? Do they see lanes, yeah. multidimensional lanes others don't see? I, of think course. We've, I think we've gone to acid, Pat. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is okay. just we're talking about. And none of us are, are referencing anything from any personal experience, so uh, we, we have no clue. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of innocence at this table. Okay, so interesting. Right. When you're we'll stoned, see. you should never operate a motor vehicle, heavy equipment, or a marriage. We're going to see what's going to happen here with Illinois. Next one, Gen Z getting screwed by remote work. Uh, Microsoft finds, uh, 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 survey finds, let's read this here. A new study from Microsoft found that among more than 31,000 workers, it surveyed 73% said they want remote work options to stay, with 46% saying the plan to move now that they can work remotely. Still 67%, there's a bunch of percentages here, 67% said they want more in-person work or collaboration too. In short, we don't seem to know what we want, is what the article is saying. However, Gen Z workers... Uh, Born roughly between 1990s and 2010s, responded to Microsoft sur survey generally by saying they're more stressed and find they're struggling more than their peers. They tend to be single since they're younger, leading them to be isolated. And since they're, uh, they're early in their careers, they don't have financial means to create a good workspace at home if their employer won't pay for it. And they're not having uh, those in-person meetings that sometimes help them land in career, advancing projects, or even get... In good with the boss. Tom, what do you have to say about this? I think there's really something here because, you know, last year America had to respond and we had to make Zoom work. And, and Matt, your, your yeah. business, you talk about how you guys had a great year and you made Zoom and video conference work mm -hmm. within the lockdown requirements you were under. Correct. But what's interesting for a Gen Z with less experience, where's the coffee with the boss? You can look, read their body language, you can see their insecurity or their confidence, and you can have that mentoring moment. I think that that's exactly what they're talking about here, that those human interconnections are lost and it's not developing emotional intelligence and the management skills, you know, I just referenced what you did mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, your insurance agency. Sure. Did you, do you see it that way, or am I crazy? But we, uh, yes. Uh, well, last year we grew by sixty plus percent last year with Zoom. Uh, you know, a lot of people found uh, quicker accessibility to clientele, uh, uh, interviews, hiring process, recruiting interviews. But we were locked down into that computer all day. It was all day, all day, all day, from sunup to sundown. The the, the volume of poems we were able to accomplish in an eight hour, 10 hour, 12 hour day was, was massive. 
Uh, I think it's interesting that Microsoft uh, did this survey. Don't they have the incentive for people to use their Microsoft Teams? You know, that I find is, a, is, is sure. a, yeah. this type of survey. It's they, a they, very they, good point. They, Zoom, they, yeah. Zoom competitor yeah. in there. And yet they're saying people are getting screwed by remote work. What I, uh, now that our offices are starting to open back up, what we've missed, what we've thoroughly missed, was the in-person uh, connections. Uh, you, were, you gave us a magazine to read last month. Is the Harvard Business Review mm-hmm. about uh, how an office is a social anchor of, of uh, a company culture. And we just started opening offices back up again uh, three weeks ago in Illinois in our Oprah office. And people are feeling that connection all over again. And in that article, it states that uh, when you're in person, that's when you develop, a, uh, develop teamwork, trust, commitment, camaraderie. You don't necessarily get that through Zoom. And I think you brought up a point yesterday, Tom, is that the Gen Z worker is missing out on being around a guy like you. He's got experience. Three comma Tommy. Imagine being in an office. You're hanging around three comma Tommy. Imagine being in an office with UPBD. The in-person connection they have with somebody's there that they can be basically an apprentice to. They can they can learn from the wisdom that's around an in-person environment versus something you miss out on remotely working. Yeah, I I agree. I I think what they miss out on is watching across the office, seeing how people interact. And there's a lot of uh, and I go back to emotional intelligence. I think that that they lose that. I don't think that there's an opportunity to gain that. You know, my own experience here with Valuetainment, you know, we're filming case studies. And so I film in the studio with the with the team that's shooting. But then this mm-hmm. week, being able to be side by side with the editing team, talking to them, you know, got to know them a little bit while we were, yeah. you know, going over an edit. You don't do that on Zoom. You're just like... So the question becomes, you got three types of people you're dealing with, right? right. If, you, if you want to get back into or opening it back up and come back to the office, you got the kind of person who doesn't want to wear a mask, could care less about it. They're like, I don't even, it's not something that scares me. I'm just, you know, it is what it is. I have no desire. I'm not scared. I can't wait for us to work again. I can't wait to be in a physical office. Mm -hmm. I want this environment, right? The second person you're dealing with is a person that always follows the rules and they just, they're good citizens, which is what? You want me to wear a mask? I'll wear a mask. You want me to do this? They're just more the majority, which is I'm going to do what I'm being told to do. So Mm -hmm. one fights it. One follows the rules, and the other one is the extreme. So the extreme is who? Don't get close to me. Right, right. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm, hey, don't touch me. Like, like even um, yesterday when uh, Ted Cruz was giving a speech, <laughs> right, right. Uh, before he gets started, one of the uh, reporters was like, hey, where's your mask? He says, I don't need a mask. I'm speaking to you right now. He says, no, but where's your mask? He says, well, I just took the test. I'm clean. I've taken it. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I don't need to wear a mask. He had a vaccine too, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. So he says, he says the whole thing becomes right. <laughs> Those those three. How do you make those three work in an environment? How do you make the one that's kind of like, ah, uh, I don't think it's a big deal. What's up, Tom? How you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. just very friendly. The guy in the middle that's just following the guidelines, and the guy that's the extreme saying, no, this is not safe. This is not this. Like making yeah. it extremely dramatic. The middle ones are obviously going to be easy to deal with sure. because here's the guidelines. Here's what we're doing. It's the extremes of both ends mm-hmm. that you got to figure out a way to reason with to make this going back to office work. Yeah. How do you make that happen, Tom? I mean, you've been around for a while, Matt. You've been yeah, running I, an office. How are you doing? I it? was just in Memphis last week okay. uh, uh, dealing with uh, uh, a couple of our guys, uh, uh, Sabin Ruben Ote in one office and Edward and Jimmy Musgrove in the other office. And I'm, 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 they're excited to be amongst each other. You know, they mentioned this is the first time we've been together in a year, and all the excitement, all the camaraderie, and the, the way they feel about each other—they've been built. They've built that yeah. r- uh, a relationship online, working together on a daily basis, building the insurance agency. And and the conversation became, uh, uh, "Nice to meet you. Uh, are you a fist bumper? Are you a handshaker? You're asking. I'm that. asking. Good. And then and uh, people, no, I'm a hugger. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, in the South, I guess there's a lot of hug, a lot of huggers. No problem, you know? And so I'm, I'm asking. I said, just to, and it's, I think it's another step, PBD. You just ask, are you a fist bump or your handshake? What are you comfortable with? Elbows? And some people are just elbows. No problem. Hey, let's, you know. Yeah, I can, I can see that. What yep. do you think, Tom? I think there's two things. The, the first thing in all this is, you know, you, you let the people know, you know what? If the civic is locked down, if this is here, we're going to do what the state is asking us to do. Um, and so we're going to, you know, take care of that. And then, like, there's somebody, there's an, uh, a great editor um, that I work with, Kyle, and he still feels a little uncomfortable. So when you come to his cube, he would prefer to keep, he has a bandana, he'd prefer to keep wearing that. Mm -hmm. But he's reasonable. He's very reasonable. He gets his stuff done. He just says, hey, I'm just not comfortable yet. And I have an older relative, I guess, he lives sure, with. Sure. says, hey, I get that. So I give him the space. It's all cool. You, you kind of elbow at a distance. Mm -hmm. So I think you show care and consideration for the person's viewpoint. But you got to have a reasonable office environment where you're getting things done. And the inmates can't run the asylum to say, let's put up plexiglass corridors everywhere. Uh, so I, I think you show care and consideration. And you also show that you're complying with the state and that yeah, I think you just guide people by example and just show a little respect for their particular feelings. This leads me to WeWork, which, which has a lot to do with what we're talking about, right? Here's WeWork, a company that decides to go public through a SPAC deal, right? We all know what WeWork is. Mm -hmm. WeWork is essentially what? It's, it's office space, right? Yeah. If you want to— A bunch of businesses coming together. And we work right. in the same office space Correctly. together, which, okay. by the way, brilliant idea. Sure. They were killing it. I mean, everybody was talking about it. Sort of a cool version of Regis for the modern Exactly. Right. They, yeah, they get exactly. old Regis, old, old buildings the that they would never do. Up. Yeah, exactly. So the office-sharing startup plans for its high-profile IPO imploded spectacularly in October 2019 due to widespread criticism over its business model and its founder, Adam Newman's management style. WeWork had held talks with at least three blank check firm SPACs over the past two months, cautioning that the current talks could fall apart. We have SPACs approaching on a weekly basis, WeWork Executive Chairman Marcelo Clark said, who used to be with Sprint. WeWork was valued at $47 billion in 2019, but saw its valuation plummet to roughly $8 billion after SoftBank was forced to extend the life-saving financing lifeline at WeWork. So the, the part everybody has to realize is even before the pandemic, these guys were having problems. Mm -hmm. They fired Adam Newman. They laid off 2,400 employees, lost billions of dollars, and then comes coronavirus. They get crushed. Tom, do you think these guys can recover from it and be a business model that's profitable that people would want to invest in? I, I don't know. I mean, Marcelo Clar has basically done more stabilization than innovation. He stabilized things, and they're trying to get out with a story. Um, but, you know, it's really interesting. I think it, the whole thing, they're waiting for people to go back from work from home to use office again. Because WeWork was about, hey, if you, if you step back and look at WeWork, mm -hmm. they were for Gen Z, the open lobby, everybody gets to hang out together. You know, there's a word for that in COVID. It's called super spreader. So I, I don't know. They got to convince people that that business model is going to work and that businesses are going to come back and want open areas where people mm -hmm. can hang out by the coffee machine, learn from each other, and each business have their own little private Idaho in there. But I, I think SoftBank, I mean, SoftBank, that 47 million thing, SoftBank hit hard wall. You know, that was not fun. And so I think they want to get out and they almost have to get out to the market so they can, you know, put this money in the bank. But they got to prove to everybody there's a real business there. Would you invest in WeWork right now? Nope. Like, are you buy, sell, hold, neutral? 
I've got great respect for SoftBank, but I think they're in a very hard place. Why are they doing it, though? These are smart people. Why are they getting into it? Put your hat on and say, what alternatives do they have? Right? They need capital to run this. This is continuing to run at a loss bef- even before the pandemic. So how can rents be up that they're actually making a buck? Uh, is this if, if, a, if SoftBank is deciding to do something like this, is this a good sign for everybody else to say that if a company like SoftBank views everything going back to normal, if they're risking money like this to invest into a company – that's a mess like WeWork is because of what happened in 2019 mm-hmm. and the fact the pandemic crushed them. Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about the issues prior to on the Adam Newman's management style. Let's set that aside. I'm sure. just talking about the consequences of what COVID did mm-hmm. to WeWork. Absolutely. If they're investing, are they indirectly saying, we feel the future looks bright, everything's going to go back to normal? I, I, for me, this is this. If, if you were to ask me to invest in it, on a whim, am I putting my retirement savings and I, I'm knowing that it needs – to be there when I retire? No, I'm not doing it. But am I putting a little bit of my money towards it? Of course I would because I believe in the the WeWork uh, office sharing uh, platform. Uh, we, we've got a bunch in uh, in downtown Chicago um, at the Merchandise Mart. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, just a bunch of incubating um, entrepreneurs are there. I think the, the, the attraction back again, of the, again, back to the connection, because you can't really connect with people on Zoom. And I think if you're going to connect uh, uh, with other entrepreneurs of, of people that are, are incubating too as well in that phase of their business, uh, a WeWork type of uh, operation grows. Um, they got uh, they got some SPACs uh, approaching them. You know, you, you, the the type of money that's being thrown in this direction. I take a whim at it. Um, if I'm an incubating entrepreneur today, I'd be looking for a WeWork uh, type of office sharing platform to start my business. So yeah. interesting. If you, if you're watching this, I'm actually curious right now. Okay, let's take a look at this. We got 217 thumbs up, Kai. I don't know if you're seeing it. We got 217 thumbs up right now. No thumbs down. By the way, appreciate the love if you're with us. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do so. And uh, some of you that think you already are subscribed, this is a different channel. It's a PBD podcast channel. So click that subscribe button and the notification. But I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Thumbs up if you are fully comfortable going back to work and being around others, you know, where, you know, how it was in 2019. And you're like, I cannot wait to go to a fully environment. Thumbs down if you're saying it's reckless, we're starting way too early, we should take our time. So smash thumbs up if you say, yes, we got to get back to work and being around each other. Thumbs down if you don't. So we have 217 and zero. I'm actually curious to know what happens to it so far. Uh, uh, voting with that. Most people are saying they want to get back to work. Do you see that? Only two people so far have said no. Most of the world, not what the media tells you, not what the you know focus groups of a certain niche group of people tell you. Right. By the way, 321 to 1. Think about that. That means 104 people wow. voted thumbs up. One <laughs> person said, I don't want to go back to work. So to the person that said, you don't want to go back to work, do you mind commenting below and saying why? Okay, now we went to five. Let us know why you're uncomfortable of going back. Is it the fear of, you know, uh, COVID being contagious? Is it the fear of, uh, 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 you know, what if I get sick and what's happening right now with different schools or different places? And, you know, it's the spread that's taking place in different places. It's happening right now. We had a conversation with a couple of schools that are going through it in Texas. Mm-hmm that this is taking place, we experience it ourselves. Or, or is it just something where the tipping point is, I just don't want to work in an environment anymore? Because, because a part of this, I know certain people who are introverts, mm-hmm. 
that they would love to work from home for exactly. the rest of their lives. Exactly. They would love to not be around other mm-hmm. people. They would love. So how much of this is revealing the extroverts and the introverts, okay? Yeah. How much yeah. of this is revealing who has always wanted to work from home and they never wanted to be around mm-hmm. others? They would much rather do their work and not go to a work environment. Yeah. And how much of it is... You know, I'm just scared wanting to go back. I'm you know, curious. PB, I've asked you in, in many, many conversations, uh, you know, because, you know, you get uh, distracted all the time by uh, all these different ways to make money online, all these different ways to do e-commerce, many different ways to run a business from behind the computer, the, the four-hour work week type mm-hmm. of person, right? Mm-hmm. You, actually, too, can run an Amazon <laughs> dropship business. <laughs> dropship business, right? yeah. And, and, and so I've, I asked you, and, and if you could share with the, the viewers and the listeners here what your answer was to me, because... Um, because I ask you, can we really run an insurance operation, grow an insurance operation, or any business operation that requires people be, to be working together it's with something that sustains and lasts and creates generational wealth? Can we do this from behind a computer? And then your answer to me was, if you know, if you want to build something that lasts, man, I think you need to you need to be around and, and build something together cohesively as a team in a, an environment what do you uh, can you continue I, I always that? I always battle with one thing and let me tell you what it is I remember one time you know uh, reading an article about you know here's what's the mistake of gen- millennials and here's how they are and here's the gen he's just, just talking about the younger generation mm-hmm. all the problems that they have yep. but the sentence it ended with this is time magazine the sentence it ended with was but then again if you are complaining about millennials Maybe it's because you're getting older, okay? <laughs> yeah, right, because right. every generation right. told us that. They're like, sure. well, uh-huh. yeah. these uh, uh, men like Elvis Presley who are shaking their hips, you know, this is not good for our kids and our daughters. They should not see a man move his hips the way he does. This is not appropriate. It's not the conservative thing Elvis to Presley, do. Right. Elvis right. Presley, Presley was, you know, moving yeah. his hips and yeah. mama girls were going crazy. I can't help it, mama. Can't yeah, help that's it. right, my right? Mama. My music makes me move. So, <laughs> so you, got, you got that. So the, the older generation, you know, I'm, I'm not 42, which means I'm young enough to connect to the 20, 30-year-olds, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm young enough to connect to uh, uh, the 20 to 30, but also at the same time old enough where it's 50 is, you know, yeah. just 10 years and right. 60 is right. right there. It's not like, you know, when I was 20, the today 60-year-olds were 40. Oh. When I was 30, they were 50. When I'm 42, they're 60, right? So we're right in the middle. So for us to say, you know, the Zoom model is uh, the only way to go is the old school model. That also means maybe we're not adapting with the times. That also means maybe we're getting too old and we're not willing to adjust and see what the the directions are. Maybe the younger generation's got something to teach us. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize this is something that Mm -hmm. is gonna be here to stay. But at the same time, at the same time, at the same time, how many times have you gone to uh, someone's house where the kid has been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where they are isolated, fo- isolated from everybody their entire lives because the parents are so paranoid. What? And I'm yeah. not even talking about COVID. Yeah. I'm just talking about parents who sure. hardcore isolate their kids yeah. from everything. And you talk to the kid. How are you? Good. <laughs> How was your day today? Good. Good. So, uh, uh, what's right. your favorite thing to do? Video games. What? No. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Right? You see. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm like, dude, like. Where's the soul, man? Yeah, let let, yeah, let yeah, me, yeah. like, where's the conflict? Where's, where's, yeah, yeah. so how do you get that? The only way yeah. you get that is what? To be around other people. people you know, yeah. the, what makes us different from animals is we can respond, we can sure. communicate, we have a way of talking to each other, we can create, we can work together as a community. So I think both is needed. And I'm kind of glad Microsoft is doing the survey, by the way. I love yeah. when companies yeah. do a survey 
that some parts of the survey it contradicts their own business model. And right. for these guys to own what they have to say, hey, we got to kind of get back to work, it makes sense. But we, we will not know the consequences right. of the way we handled COVID and the isolation. It'll take a minimum a decade wow. or two to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a six-year-old that was going to school is going to be 26 one day, 16 in 10 years. You ain't going to know what this is going to do to him right now. Right. Is he going to make a full recovery? Is he not? That's, that's the one part we don't know. So no matter what anybody says, experts, any doctor, anybody says, none of us know what is really going to happen 10 years from now. The whole thing with the vaccine, when I talk to certain people that don't want to take it, mm-hmm. like yesterday, one of our friends, Jose, he goes to the hotel, mm-hmm. and she says, uh, this 22-year-old girl, girl is like, I can't wait to take the vaccine, and then everything can right. get, sir, please be careful touching that. You know, you don't want to get sick. And then Jose asked the lady, he says, uh, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. So what's in the vaccine? She says, well, I, I think it's all good stuff. And she says, uh, he says, when you eat, do you not look at the label and what's in it? Yeah. Don't you think it's a good idea for you to also know what's in the vaccine? I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know what's in the vaccine. So, so the people that are uncomfortable with the vaccine, and I know we're making a big push right now. Biden talked about yesterday going to 200 million. Right. He's already done 100. Mm-hmm. He wants 200 million yeah. in the first 100 Just days. They're at down. Yep. 100 million in the first 85 days. The challenge with us is we also don't know what's going to happen with this vaccine side effects for a decade. You're not mm-hmm. going to know what's going to happen. There's some side effects that could be a decade, two decades. How about the military shots we took when we're in the. In, in Look what happened uh, to us. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, so we have no idea what, what those shots were that we took. So yeah. we are not really going to know the side effects of the level of isolation and people working from home for, for quite some time, yeah, kids and yeah. some adults. Tom, do you have any feedback on this? Yeah, I do. I think, uh, I think you make some great, great points. And right now I look at it like this. It's not binary, but the news media looking for the story kind of treats it as binary, like all work from home or not. And I think what happened is business found a way to make it work and make it work profitably. And we found certain parts of business that like, um, you know, coders could be working remotely, still on a team, be very effective. Uh, But the human interaction and the culture of the business can't be communicated over Zoom. And so I, I think it's not binary. And I think one of the things we're going to find out later, um, to your point, we're all going to look back at that and find out that maybe culture and the humanness is mm-hmm. lost. Uh, even though, well, my coding worked well, I made a profit that year, everything got done. Uh, I don't think we're going to know for about mm-hmm. 10 years. We're yes. going to look back yeah. and we're going to see, wow, did we lose that? Did we lose that interconnection? You know, long before, I'll tell you something, long before, you know, GoFundMes, if somebody of um, that, that didn't make as much as other people, lost a relative or something, we did GoFundMe. We took collections in the office. We said, wow, sure. you know, this Pass is- around the hat. Yeah, this, this is an only child who's gonna be responsible for burying their uncle and has got mm. all this, this stuff. So we would pass the hat and then have like HR quietly say, your coworkers have risen up to kind of help you out here. We did a good, that is a cultural moment for that person. And there's a lot of that stuff I think is gonna be lost. And to your point, I think it is gonna be 10 years. What do you think? You look at your insurance agency now and a year ago, where do you think the impact is? I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that where, I got, where I got stuck on in terms of the vaccine was if, if Sheena was pregnant today, would I trust her to take the vaccine? And I, my answer is no. I agree. It went out. It went out so quickly. What was it? Three months of testing. Yeah, yeah. So how do they find willing pregnant women to do a true test? test. Across oh, the, the developmental uh, nine-month flow of a child to see exactly. with micro doses to see if something's up. Yeah, 100%. PBD, what do you think? Uh, 
I, I, we will find out here in the next few years <laughs> on what's going to happen. We're going to find out what's going to happen in the next few years. I think one thing I do bank on is the ability for human beings to adapt, and some adapt faster, some, some adapt slower. Those who adapt slower typically are led and respond to who, those who adapt faster, similar to what happened in sports. Everybody responded to what Dana White did. Everybody's shutting mm-hmm. stuff down. Dana White said, we're going on an island. And they said, well, maybe we got to do it. And then Orlando opened up and they yeah, said, yeah. Let's get we're going to do the bubble basketball. Yeah. So people, so there's typically one person that goes out there and does it. And he's a risk. He's got the biggest risk to take because if he screws up, everyone's going to say, I told you not to do it. Mm-hmm. But he's also got the highest potential of being a hero because if he wins, everybody says, damn, he's smart. Look what he did. Let's follow his suit. So we're going to see, there's going to be companies that are going to open up and they're going to get hardcore criticism from the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be companies that are not going to open up, that they're going to get what? Hardcore support and empathetic, oh, my gosh, you're so wonderful for doing what you're doing. One of them's going to be a hero, and one of them's not in the next year or two years. We're going to look at one, and we're going to say, wow, good for them. Mm-hmm. Wow, they knew what they – those guys were too scared. Or vice versa. We'll see what's going to be happening. So time will tell – I don't think any one of us can see what's going to happen right now. But I want to go to some of the people here that commented. And uh, Aaron Delgado gave $20, and he said the following. He said, drunk drivers blow through stop sign. Stoned drivers wait for them to turn green. (laughs) 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 Nicole Nicole Serino gave 10 bucks. She said she wants to see Tulsi Gabbard and Dave Rubin on to discuss Pat's tax idea for California. That was by far my favorite discussion ever. Roll tight. Nicole, why don't you go on Twitter and tweet at both of them with my handle, and then we'll see if the audience wants to see it or not and what kind of traction we'll get. Uh, uh, Odora Noel Zenitman gave 10 bucks. Gen Zs need to get into real hardworking jobs, not remote wishy-washy jobs unless it's straight-up code writing. This generation has it way too easy and are least appreciative of honest, hard work. Mm. Then we have another person here, Ruben Zuvolonov said, "Good morning. Please interview George Friedman and geopolitical futures. It would be on the top of a uh, one of the top interviews for U.S. versus China. Can I make a note of that, and we'll take a look and let you know how that goes." Then we have fifty-year journey. He said it's not. He gave twenty dollars. It's not about work more than it is about social aspect. We are mostly social by nature. Yes. A yeah. we works will allow for that without the feeling mm-hmm. of a slave office feeling. Plus, it gets rid of the business liability for COVID. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And then we have Good Mother who said the following. She gave 10 bucks, and she said, all the people I know personally who want to stay home are female. All the people I know who want to stay home are female. I would be wow. curious to wow. go a little deeper there with data to find out yeah. if majority of the people that want to work from home are female. I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe that's got, her reality, her circle. That could be her reality, her circle. But uh, if somebody could do that data to pull it up, it would be a very interesting research <laughs> To discuss. So one of the folks on Twitter, if you got any questions that you want us to address, if you go on Twitter and tweet with PBD Podcast, hashtag PBD Podcast, we will address the, uh, uh, some of the questions that you may have. One of the guys here asked about Bitcoin. Daniel Mateo said NFTs and Bitcoins are uh, as the global reserve currency. Well, before we go into the global reserve currency, why don't we talk about what Ray Dalio said about Bitcoin being outlawed? Here's what Ray Dalio had to say about Bitcoins being outlawed. The founder of the, the, founder of the $150 billion hedge fund, Bridgewater Associate, the world's largest, made a case that there's a good probability Bitcoin could be outlawed, similar to when the U.S. government made it illegal to 
privately owned gold. As Dalio points out in his upcoming book, The Changing World Order, the Gold Reserve Act of 1934 made it illegal for individuals to own gold because government leaders didn't want to compete. They didn't want gold to compete with money and credit as a storehold of wealth. Something similar would happen with Bitcoin, which has surged against a backdrop of a high level of debt, low interest rates, a lot of liquidity and stimulus, and investors seeking alternative to bonds and currencies. Every country, here's what he says, every country treasury treasures its monopoly on controlling the supply and demand. Very powerful statement. I'm going to read that again. Every country treasures its monopoly on controlling the supply and demand. Sure. They don't want other monies to be operating or competing because things can get out of control. So I think that it would be very likely that you will have it under a certain set of circumstances outlawed the way gold was outlawed. Thoughts, Matt Sopala? Well, gold was outlawed in 1933 uh, uh, in terms of holding possession of mm -hmm. actual physical gold. And then uh, it was uh, uh, Gerald Ford. 1974 that said okay you can have it back they repealed it is this potentially something that bitcoin can be outlawed temporarily for that 30 40 year process until the government can figure out what type of role that uh, bitcoin can play in their economy i've always said this from the beginning my position in the beginning bitcoin sounds cool it sounds very good but there's a difference in in my investing world of intrinsic value and imputed value Intrinsic value means there's an actual asset that's actually generating uh, mm -hmm. value behind the company. Imputed value is what you think it's worth. For me as an investor and, and me not coming from any money, uh, uh, driving a bus as a kid and now, and now I'm starting to make money, it doesn't mean I'm frivolous with money, I just throw money at things. For me, it's hard for me to personally bank on. Again, I wouldn't put my retirement savings here, money that you know needs to be there, into something that, and again, I'm not giving financial advice, but uh, I, uh, uh, I'm saying that uh, for something that is imputed, it, it's kind of hard to see the government saying, we're going to release control of the number one way to control American citizens into something that's uh, decentralized. It's, it's only one government regulation away from, from Bitcoin being outlawed and, and the opportunity being stripped away from it temporarily. Curious, if you're watching this, if you're watching this, comment below. Do you think Ray Dalio is right and there's going to be some kind of a, you know, a, a Bitcoin being outlawed or controlled by the government? Tom, what are your thoughts? Well, I think Ray's not trying to make a controversy here. I think he's really looking at a historical case study because the governments, they control the interest rates, they control the money supply, M1, M2, and they're out there, want to ha have the knobs of the economy and they don't want a secondary um, you know, currency or value under there. That's why the whole thing happened from the Gold Reserve Act of 1934. So I, I don't think Ray's trying to be controversial, but I, I think that the governments with the fiat currencies, and fiat currency meaning currencies that are not backed up by gold or silver, they're just, you know, the, you know, the, the implied trading value at that at that moment as compared to other currencies. They don't want to they don't want to lose that because they lose control of the actual you know, economy itself and there's secondary economies. There is a case study on this and it is Russia. And the joke during the Reagan administration with Russia is like, hey, Russia can come to the monetary trading system once they have a currency of defined value that can be traded against other currencies. And remember the ruble was a joke at the time remember that and people said what are you talking about they do have a currency that trades against other currencies it says it's green it's got pictures of u.s presidents on it and so the joke was that it was u.s currency was the hard currency in russia that the russians would actively mm -hmm. conduct commerce on and that flipped out 
you know, the Russian government. Mm -hmm. So the governments, and there's your, there's your case study there, forget about communism, forget about things, but the Russian government didn't want the U.S. dollar to be, you know, this underground currency, and they put a lot of steps in, try to control that, and it failed. But the governments don't want to give up that control, man. So so go ahead. PBD, what do you think? I mean, Dalio's got a vested interest to outlaw Bitcoin. I mean, he's a fiat currency guy. He, he is a fiat currency guy, but this is my question for you about Bitcoin. Okay, Kyle, I want you to think about this as well from a young standpoint on what you would say about this. So what is more necessary and, and beneficial selfishly for the government? So think like a politician. Sure. Think you are Biden. Think you are Janet Yellen, who Janet Yellen's been one of the biggest proponents of trying to control Bitcoin. She's not a Bitcoin person. Mm -hmm. She's not necessarily a pro-Bitcoin person, right? Take an Elizabeth Warren. Is Elizabeth Warren pro-Bitcoin? I don't know. She's it, a regulation. It, she's a regulation person, right? If you look at a, uh, a Biden, a Elizabeth Warren, a Bernie Sanders, here's what's the weirdest things that's happened. When I talk to people, the guy that sold that NFT, can you pull up NFT underways, uh, uh, no, every days? He just did a nice one of Elon Musk yesterday, by the way. I don't know if you saw that or not. Pretty sick one he did yesterday. Of uh, so, so he sold this for $69 million. I asked the question in the interview. I asked the question in the People. interview. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tom, you've heard about this, the every days. It's 5,000 days. Yeah. Every day he designed one, and then he put it together as a yeah, collage. he's very prolific. People. People. He's phenomenal, right? So him and I spoke last week, Mike, and I asked the question when he did the, uh, the auction at Christie's. And Christie's, you know, Christie's Auction House, they do bigger things. They do artwork. They do stuff that's physical. He said there were 33 bidders, active bidders, the last hour of the item. It was like at 14 million, ended up selling for 69 million. I asked the question, I said, 14 million, 33 bidders? He said, yeah. I said, out of those 33 bidders, how many of them are Bitcoin mil how many of them are Bitcoin millionaires? He said, all of them. Wow. They're all Bitcoin people, crypto cryptocurrency wow. people. So which means what? Every once in a while, you know, something comes in where most people don't take advantage of it, okay? Where an average regular Joe who is a little bit, you know, different, weird, people mm -hmm. call him crazy, people call him out of the ordinary, ends up buying into it, and they put $1,000 in Bitcoin when it was nothing, a yeah. quarter, a dollar, two bucks, 10 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever it is. They put $10,000 into it. Now they're millionaires. Now they have money. Some of them have real money. Some of them have a few hundred million dollars. A few of them are billionaire, crypto billionaires that are out there, right? Okay, what happens when people are popping out being billionaires and millionaires in an industry that not many people looked at and trusted and there was a community that was doing, oh, I don't know if there's going to, maybe there's going to be some stuff that's going on that's shady. Now they have that money. Okay, so how much money was being made selling cocaine years ago? And I'm not making a comparison. The only reason I'm saying this, I'm going to a place with this. How much money is cocaine per year? How much money is pot per year? How big of a business is it? How much money was alcohol when bootleggers used to sure. make money behind? How much money is it, right? Mm -hmm. So days. Yep. is the government more concerned about control and the worry of currency manipulation with Bitcoin? Or is the government more concerned about collecting taxes? Because if you do overregulate crypto or Bitcoin or any of that, then where do you collect the taxes from all these people that are making billions of dollars? That's revenue going back to the government. So what's more important to the U.S. government? The control of the currency to not be able to manipulate our current fiat currency or the ability to collect more taxes 
and add a tax to it. So again, let me let me go yep. a little deeper so this makes sense to you. Sure. So maybe there is no regulation, but yep. maybe there's a Bitcoin tax. Mm-hmm. Maybe they said we're not going to regulate it, but we're going to add a 15, like, you know, the same thing they said, the weed tax in uh, New York, mm-hmm. 13%, 9 goes to the state, 4 goes to the localities. Mm-hmm. What if there is a tax on Bitcoin rather than a regulation? Is the government thinking revenue or is the government thinking control? control. What are your thoughts? Well, I think control is taxation. I think uh, if you're going to control it, it's because you want to tax it. And right. then if you can tax it, you can find a way to manipulate it. I think it's both, PBD. Great point. You, you know, when Russell Okung, the NFL player, said, pay half of my $13 million in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. in Bitcoin. I mean, so how do you tax now half of his salary when the other half of his salary? It's easy, 40% WAP, to, you know, uh, just chop right off to the, uh, to the tax, income taxes. But the other half of his salary went from 6.5 to 8.5, 10. You can't tax it because it's, it's Bitcoin. So I think it's both, PBD. Tom, uh, I, I think the conservative side of government wants uh, reasonable controls. And I think the highly liberal side of government wants to tax everything with controls. So I think it's a little bit of both. And I think the, you know, the, the central banks and the money policy people, they want the control back because they control the world's you know, financial system. Tom, if, you're, if, you're, if you and I, you've been in the world of dealing with investors for a long time, right? Yep. An investor, if, the, if you represent an investor and he brings in the money, okay, what are some ways investors control the entrepreneur? What are some ways, if you were to tell us, I know it, I'm just hearing from you so the audience can, what are some ways the investor says, I'll give you this $5 million, I'll give you this $50 million, but these are the controls. What are some ways the investor controls the entrepreneur? Well, the most common thing that people find with venture investment or private equity investment is what's called the preferred position. They have what's called preferred stock. So they get to approve every transaction over X. And then there's the operating committee. You have, you have your boards, and they get a couple board seats, so now they got a certain number of boards. So they put these control that in exchange for my money, I get these controls mm-hmm. because you're a nice entrepreneur. I want to make a buck <laughs> on you. We all want to make a buck on there this. But we're going to be on your board controlling these things, and then you can't spend or do things beyond a certain limit here. Yep. Or bad things happen, and so they they put controls around their money. And how many know. controls are there? Like like let me let me maybe you're not going as deep as as it can be. So one is preferred, the other one is voting control. Correct. The other one is how much money you can pay for yourself for salary. Sure. The other one is how much money you can spend in one transaction. So if you're going to do anything, anything that you're going to spend over fifty thousand dollars, you need our approval. One hundred thousand dollars, half a million dollars, a million dollars, whatever. How much uh, the profit money? is a bonus for executives versus a dividend back to them. To, to everybody that they participate in. There is so many different ways that they create controls, right? Correct. Here's a question for you. Historically, what are some ways the U.S. government can impose controls on Bitcoin? Taxation being one of yeah, them, yeah. what are other creative ways that a Janet Yellen or a Biden administration question. can create controls on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Wow, you're spooked. Yeah, yeah. The guy who's Wikipedia <laughs> wow. is spooked. So, so, so all I'm asking is, there are so many creative ways. What is the way? What are they going to do to create controls? You know, tax being one of them, regulation being another one. You know, uh, uh, how much uh, a, a, like, you know how, um, remember when the uh, GME, the GameStop stock went up, yep. and then all of a sudden they said what? No more activity, yep. no more activity. Mm-hmm. Is there a lid to be put on it on how much it can go can they price it themselves 
you know, one control is coming and saying, hey, gold is worth, what was a dollar amount back in 1934, where there was a gold worth $29, $34? You remember what the number was? Perhaps. 36 maybe? Some number like that where they said here they dictate yep. Yep. what it's mm-hmm. worth. So can, what if they come out and they say, we're going to regulate. You say Bitcoin's worth $50,000 per? We're going to put a number on it. Bitcoin is worth $10,000 per. Like, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. All I'm asking is you have to anticipate that mm-hmm. regulators think very differently than right. freedom, libertarian, mm-hmm, leave sure. me alone, entrepreneurs, innovators. Yep. So we have the SEC and the market controls, right? Okay. And the SEC influences used to be the, the MX, used to be Chicago Board of Options. You had all these markets out there where you could buy and sell stuff, whether it's fruit and livestock futures or a share of stock or an option on stock. And the SEC has got things in there about volatility and what's called the circuit breakers. Mm -hmm. If the circuit breakers trip, they suspend trading on things. So they can put tight controls in there that are deemed to protect the investor. Uh, Robin Hood, remember, limited how many you could trade Mm -hmm. at a certain day. SEC could step in and do simple things like that. There's a lot of ways that they could control the momentum, the amount, and go back to the, uh, it's not even 100 years ago, the Federal Reserve Act 1934 of how much you can own. I just thought about something. The easiest way to to control and manipulate it is to increase, if you want to pay for something in cash. We can hear you. If they want to pay for something in cash or credit cards at this price, but if they want to pay in Bitcoin, it's this price. Right. Yeah, the other part is like, look what happened with the industry you and I are a part of, right? You, you got a Joseph Kennedy who gets recruited by a Roosevelt to come in and try to figure out yep. the stock market manipulation. And Joseph Kennedy calls a meeting apparently that says, hey, everybody needs to come to New York who's selling stocks. And people didn't show up. And it's like, wait a minute, you better listen to me and show up. They didn't show up. So he says, you know what? The only way you can sell stocks moving forward is you have to pass a license called a Series 7. Seven. Then everybody ended up showing up. They said, the only way you can sell it, you have to fingerprint. Because back then, there were cash that was being handled. So they came and do finger. We're doing fingerprinting till today. We don't even touch cash. We don't even know why we're doing <laughs> fingerprinting till today, right? So there's an element of licensing. There's an element of, you know, th- those are the things like how all of it. They're pretty creative when they come out with regulation. Kai, do you have something in mind you want to share uh, with yeah. us? Yeah, no. So I think I think the biggest thing for them also now that uh, essentially because Bitcoin you keep in a wallet, right? That wallet essentially the government really doesn't have access to. They don't know how much is in there, depending on how much you've earned. If you buy in low, you sell high, kind of this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm, so I think mm-hmm. a big a big part of it is that that money can sit in the wallet and you're not paying any capital gains or anything of that kind. Uh, so now that, say, Tesla is allowing you to buy a Bitcoin, right, or buy a yes. car with Bitcoin, yep. I think that's the only place where government realistically can then go in and take a piece of the pie because now they can see, oh, you have that, you're trading that value, so then they have to come in with some sort of tax there because if not, the Bitcoin can just sit in a wallet and that money can store, that money can stay there, it can grow, yada, yada, yada. Or the other way is when you then put that money from your, the Bitcoin into your bank, then it's kind of like, oh, suddenly you have 40 million here. What's going on, Mr. XYZ? Um, so for regulation or just purposes of taxes, I think that they're going to have to find a way to tax spending money with Bitcoin on buying something in that transaction. Yeah. You have to find a way to kind of get a piece of the pie there. I, I remember when, uh, you're right, Kai, I remember when there's a point in time you can buy something on Amazon or eBay without having paid tax on it. There's no, there's no tax on it. Mm, now there's that's tax, right. Now there's tax on that's it. That's right. So this is just mm-hmm. another evolution. Can they stop Bitcoin? I don't think they can, but they can find a way to tax, to tax it. it. Yeah. Well, th- there was also that you, long ago you could commit several wire transactions and you could effectively obfuscate what you were doing with money. And then the federal government said, it, okay, 
uh, to control it, they forced the banks to be the reporting agency and be not really the cop, but the reporting agency. So what's the limit on a wire transaction now where the bank has to turn in your social security number and the wire transaction? 10 grand, right? Yeah. A deposit of $10,000 in a bank, the banks have to report it, sure. correct? Yep. So now who's, now, so now the government's got the, okay, in exchange for FDIC insurance, you have to, and all these other benefits of connecting to the money supply and the overnight borrowing rate for all the banks. Now, you have to tell us every time there's it's, a transaction of over $10,000. good point. So now they're collecting all the information yeah. so they can come back to you on an audit and say, Matt, you had all these wires mm -hmm. going back and forth. You can no longer hide where your money's coming and going from. Was this income or is this savings to check in? What was going on here? Yep. And they, they know it. So there's a lot of other controls that go in there. That was one of the first... We talk about the government having too much data on us and things like this. That was a data gold mine for the IRS auditors. Now they had the banks recording and reporting every ten thousand so, dollars transaction. So, so banks would have FDIC. If the bank was to go into default, the banks have FDIC. Correct. If if uh, if uh, you know a brokerage went you know went to default, they have the SIPC. What would it be for crypto? What would it be for Bitcoin? There is none. Well, there wasn't those until they needed them, was there? Correct, until people started losing a lot of money. That, that There it is. There's the protection. So so you're saying if all of a sudden a lot of people lose money and there's a dramatic drop-off, then we may have an SIPC type of a thing set up? Correct. Got it. Yep. Interesting. That's the okay. regulation yep. to, well, to it, protect the consumer. Okay. There'll be a crisis, and the government will say never let a good crisis go to waste. And in the name of protecting us, there will be regulations and systems put in place. We got Homeland Security protecting us as we go on airplanes. Now, that didn't exist, right? But we had a crisis, and now we have a new government agency. As Ronald Reagan said, there's never anything so permanent as a temporary government program. It's where seatbelts and stop signs and stoplights came from because somebody got into a, got into a wreck, cost people their lives. Okay, crypto right now is at $53,000, right? Crypto right now is at $53,000. What's more likely, crypto going to a million or crypto going to 10,000? Good one. I'm the, I'm the optimist. I'm going, I'm going to a million. A million. Oh, you, you, wait a minute. You think 10,000? So well, you could it, could it come back to 10,000 on a sell spike, a, a spike of selling yeah, yeah. momentum that drives the price down? Sure, it could. But the limited supply of crypto is like limited supply of real estate in Malibu. The way that works, that limited supply ensures scarcity. So I think there is actually, yeah, could it touch 10 grand on, on a trading blip where you had so many people trading on a certain day? Sure. But I think long term, it's more likely that it continues to trend to a million. Very, very interesting. By the way, if you like the exchange and the ideas we had on the Bitcoin side, uh, hit that subscribe button and the notification button. Even if you think you're subscribed, believe me, many of you are not. This is not Valuetainment. This is PBD Podcast. Click on that subscribe button. Next topic to get into is Biden's press conference. Did you guys have a chance to listen to Biden's press conference? Some of it. I okay. confess I didn't yeah. dive in deep. So, you know, from what you heard, you know, the topics that they had, you know, I'll go to page six. A part of it was his reelection. Uh, uh, I watched the whole thing and it was pretty interesting seeing what was said because there was one side that they said he was horrible. And there was one side that said he this the greatest of maybe the goat of president from what he did. So Biden intends to run for reelection. President Biden, the oldest person to be sworn into office, 78 years old, said he intends to run for re-election. Asked the Vice President Kamala Harris would be on the ticket. He said, I would fully expect that to be the case. She's doing a great job. She's a great partner. Biden said former President Donald Trump has filed for re-election. 
uh, uh, early in his presidency uh, had filed for re-election, not has filed for re-election, had filed for re-election early in his presidency because he needed to. Biden also said, oh, God, I miss him with a laugh. Asked if he expected to run against Donald Trump, who's 74 years old. Biden said, oh, come on. I don't even think about that. I have no idea. Biden then blamed Trump for all the uh, uh, border issues, which will uh, he got into, uh, you know, pretty aggressively. I think most the, the COVID topic lasted two minutes of the entire thing, meaning media is not even worried about the COVID situation. You have to know that media only asks whatever area you have problems with. So if the media didn't ask any questions about COVID, that means they're over it. Listen, it's good. We're going yeah. back 100 million, 200 million, mm-hmm. you know, but the, but they spend a lot of time on immigration. OK, under pressure over the flow of immigrants, migrants of the southern border, Biden took aim at his pre- uh, predecessor, saying that the president Trump eliminated funding and uh, resources for the border. Biden said what we're doing now is attempting to rebuild. We're building up the capacity that should have been maintained and build upon, and Trump dismantled it. It's going to take time. Unaccompanied minors are crossing illegally each day in record numbers with total uh, uh, crossing this year on pace to hit a two-decade high. Facing growing bipartisan pressure, the administration is ramping up its diplomatic efforts and racing to find more shelter space to house children as it tries to tackle surge of asylum seekers without adopting the aggressive deterrence strategies of previous administrations. So, you know, a couple things were asked, which was interesting. He said, we're about to put 5,000 beds in Fort Bliss for people, the migrant kids that are coming here, people that are coming here from Texas. And then the question was asked by uh, uh, one, two ladies. One lady says, look, you know, your campaign was around how noble of a man you are and how amazing of a man you are. And uh, do you think more immigrants are coming to America because, because they're yep. seeing you be more reasonable and so they're wanting to come to America versus when Trump was here, they felt like they're going to send their kids back. So they didn't send their kids. Do you see a spike in more parents wanting to send their kids here because you're not sending them back? OK. Hmm. And his his response was interesting. He said he said, no, I don't see any difference there. He says, and if it was because I'm nice, I don't think people are sending their kids more here because I'm nice. This is an issue that's been going on for quite some time. And it's not something that I have any issues with. Then another lady asked the question, said, a lady from Honduras sent her uh, a son, nine-year-old son, to come and cross the border because she felt you, again, wouldn't send him, send him back. You would let him come to America. Uh, and that message is coming across where more parents are taking their savings and they're given to a coyote to bring the kids mm-hmm. to America. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, I'm not. Uh, that's not the case either. You know, uh, uh, if they do come, we're going to do our best. And another person asked and said, well, how come we can't see anything? Can we see what's going on and what's the plan down there? He says, I don't intend to go down there myself because I don't want the attention to be taken off what the people are doing. I don't want to go there with Secret Service, which, you know, Trump would have been there in a heartbeat. And so would have Obama. So would have other people would have been there in a heartbeat. And he says, I'm not intending on going out there. I'm going to send my troops, my people to go out there and see what's going on and come back. Ted Cruz gets on and he gives a speech. He says... Never has there been a president, not Obama, not Trump, not Clinton, not Bush, who didn't allow media to go to the borders to see how these kids are being treated. There's a big, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, spread of COVID right now going on. So Biden's using that as an uh, as a way of saying, well, we don't want people to go out there because there's a big outbreak. We don't want a lot of the media to get COVID. 
So we're trying to protect you. Anyways, there was a lot of different things I was talking about, but they were hitting them out, you know, hitting them very strongly on the immigration part. Uh, Tom, do you have any thoughts on the how immigration is being, you know, the borders being handled right now with Biden versus how it was handled prior to him with Trump? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's early in his presidency. His policies haven't really been fully implemented. And the last thing he wants is a board media down there finding an angle. And I don't think there's much change that's gone down on there. Uh, you know, there hasn't been time to. And so uh, he doesn't want the media to go down there because now any kids, remember the terrible thing we would see kids in basically not little small mm -hmm. de detention apartments or holding things, but they look like cages. It was terrible. Um, it was terrible. And it started under previous president. Uh, I don't think he wants anybody down there, you know, taking pictures because this is now his problem. You're the president. So even if you didn't start it, it becomes your problem and you got to fix it. You got to finish it. Oh, that's what the sound is. This entire time I've been thinking it's the mic is the way Tom's speaking. <laughs> that's what you're doing. Yeah, I'm calling these guys out there like I'm telling you it's not the mic. It's Tom. OK. All right. So yeah, I'm relieved, Tom. Thank you for that. That. that that, that, that two-second F kind okay, of thank you. Thank you for the distraction. So we'll go back to what I said. I don't think Biden wants him down there taking pictures and doing things because now he's the president, so he has to bring the solution. They'll put it on him. That's not what he wants. What do you think about it, Matt? You know, I'm, from the perspective of my friend Craig Sawman Sawyer, who's a former Navy SEAL, mm -hmm. and he's there at the border all day. He's seen a huge spike in people jumping aboard, a huge spike. And sadly, a huge since his big thing, too, is also uh, preventing human trafficking, Huge spike in human trafficking too, as well. So, so it's it's it's, it's it's more now than it was during when when Trump mm -hmm. was controlling the border. Hundred percent. He's saying it's more now than more when now Trump than it was, was when, when Trump. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of factors going into it. You know, I, and again, I'm again from my perspective of what my family had to do to get here from the Philippines. It was it was a, a it was a recruitment into the nursing program for my, my mother to get here to say I'm going to be a nurse to be recruited into the United States. And then our other family members, there's a five-year waiting period, 10-year waiting period for them to get here to the United States from the Philippines mm -hmm. versus people just come here to the border and because of these, uh, uh, these uh, loosened uh, you know, policies to say, hey, we just come here, we'll campaign, we'll get, we'll, we'll get across, we'll get across, find a way to get in here, kind of bully the way and kick down the, kick down the, uh, the gate, kick down the door. Um, you know, I, I don't know why it's, it's, it's getting to that point, but uh, it's a huge influx of that you know, from, from a practicality standpoint. Which would become Biden's problem because now he's the guy in the chair. Mm -hmm. Blame your predecessor, blame whoever you want, but now yeah. you're the guy in the chair. You got to fix it, right? Yep. Yep. It, it, you know, again, this is uh, this is not going to go away. Meaning, I don't think even the liberal media is going to let him go with this without holding them accountable to it. Because there are a lot of people in the liberal media who are Latinos and Latinas who are going to want to be seeing what's going on because their loyalty is to their community and if they don't ask those questions about what's going on with their community their own people are going to be like how come you're not holding the president accountable i think it's a great point i think it's a great point what do you yeah. think it took so long i'm sorry tom no i Go. think that the you know the, the media is not in lockstep with biden they yeah. really wanted him elected but they're not in lockstep with him there's a civil war inside you don't think so no way i okay. think there's a civil war inside the democratic party with bernie over yep. here and i also think there's a civil war that's going on inside the media between the people that are being told to be lapdogs and be nice and the people that have got strong viewpoints and they want to see change such as I, I have deep respect for just people of Hispanic descent that are in the media that are, that are speaking up and want to see change and want to see great benefits come to these issues and don't just want to be a lapdog on a political party basis. I have deep respect for them, and they're going to speak up, and they're going to make the stories out of it. What do you think it took uh, 
Biden this long to get an official press conference? You know, uh, you know the whole thing with uh, uh, he doesn't know how to handle himself in public when they ask him questions. There was a couple times where you kind of like that was that was very weird. <laughs> he was going and he's like, yeah. So here, so am I talking too much? And then lady helped him. It's like, let me just ask my second question. Yeah, okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. So that was a little right, awkward. I don't right. know if you guys caught that or sure, not. Sure, very, yeah. very awkward. Another part was... Uh, Do I need to go into more detail? Okay, yeah, I'll just stop right yeah, there. Yeah, just yeah, stop yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that was a little awkward. And then there was another part where uh, uh, he was going off the card. Like one time he just read what was on the card. Mm-hmm. He just went like this. He's like, so what What I think we need to do is... Da, 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 da. And he looked down for 30 seconds just reading the card to answer the question. Okay. But then there was another part where... He went speaking for 10 minutes, and it wasn't based off of a card. Well, I was like, that seemed reasonable, mm-hmm. what he just said right there. Mm-hmm. I actually was tracking with him, and he was giving stats and data and numbers, and here's what happened here. So, so I don't think he is where most people think he is. I don't think he is where most people think he is, where he is, you know, uh, uh, what's the word they use, where, uh, you know, uh, he can't remember. He, Coherent? Not coherent is another right. word, but cogent and lucid. Yeah, so so I don't know if it's those <laughs> words. That's a level above me with words, but uh, <laughs> but I would say at a point where he can process issues and communicate with people. Now, why do I think he's not done a press conference for a while? Oh, uh, you know, I, I just don't. It's like why does somebody play defense and make a player go left because they don't do well going left, right? You don't yeah. do well dribbling to the left, so. Right. You as the offensive player have to figure out a way to get what? To the area of strength, which is to the right. His strength is not public speaking at all. Joe Biden, I don't know how many uh, trophies he won public speaking. It's not his strength. It's definitely not. So yeah. if that's not the case, you just have to have other people doing the talking for him and it not being him. That's my thoughts. PBD, I have a question for you on this. Tell me. It, buried in the middle of all this was the announcement that uh, Kamala Harris, our vice president, is going to lead the immigration effort. She's going to lead the border investigation. Uh, and there's a lot of voices out there that said that she wasn't selected to be vice president. He ended up with her at vice president, that the whole mechanism and the whole. Uh, Say that one more time. He was what? She was not supposed to. She was not selected by him to be vice president. He ended up with her at vice president because the whole Democrat Party apparatus was like, hey, we got to have a woman. We need sure. a woman of color. There's a lot of good reasons for that. Sure. So that every little girl in America could look up and say, hey, look, I can become vice yep. president. I can mm-hmm. do that. That's very, very positive. But there are forces out there to say, hey, you know, Biden ended up with her. He didn't necessarily want her. And the best place to her, there's now voices saying, hey, is she being set up to fail? Did you hear some of this yesterday? Yeah. What do you think? Sending up, being set up the, the appointments that she was. Yeah, there's Democrat voices that are saying, hey, she shouldn't be in charge of immigration. They're like, this is a leadership issue. You should. Is she being set up to fail? I, I don't think she's being set up to fail. I just think she was selected by others. I don't think she was selected by Biden. I agree with you there. Yep. Let me let me ask you. Do you think uh, Obama picked Biden? Let, let me ask the question a different way. Let me ask the question this way. Here's a better way of asking a question. What percentage of Obama picking Biden was him? So you can say, I think it's 70-30 Obama or 50-50 Obama, 50% the DNC. Okay. Well, I was, I was a, a, a freshman senator, but I, <laughs> I remember meeting Joe. Good guy, friendly guy, effective in the Senate, long tenure. And uh, it was about 
Sixty-two and a half percent, my decision. So you're you're gonna say so you're gonna say majority was Obama's decision. I think majority. I think the majority was Obama's decision, but he was heavily influenced because he was walking into a room he'd never been before. This is a freshman senator. Yeah. I I think yeah. okay. Let's say sixty-two percent is what you're. What would you say? I was gonna say seventy-five, twenty-five. Oh, so you yeah. think it's him picking no, Biden? No, no, the, the other the way. Part, the party. Okay. It, yeah. How about you go to uh, uh, Trump? Do you think he picked Pence, or no. do you think somebody else picked Pence I, I, for him? I think somebody else picked Pence for him. What do you think is a percentage with him and Pence? I, I would say the same percentage, because who can really uh, be the parent in the room when it, come, when it came to Trump? Okay, what do you think, Tom? Pence. Uh, I think Pence was a safe, vanilla choice. He got a lot of uh, help doing, but I don't think anybody tells Donald Trump what to do. So, so okay, so you're mm. saying uh, 90% Trump, 10%, whoever told him that That's these are exactly your options. Right. Hey, 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 Donald, okay. Donald, Donald, Donald. I can see look, that. you need an Ohio, you need an Ohio, Indiana guy to balance it off. You're a New Yorker. Let's get an Ohio, Indiana, Midwest guy appealing Great to Great choice, by the way, if Christian, you think about it. Christian mm-hmm. guy, yeah. not a lot of controversy. Let's see if you can go with that, Donald. All right, let me think about that. Okay, did Bush pick his VP? George W.? George W., what percentage? I think the Bush political family was well established, yeah. and I don't think they needed help from the yeah. Republican Party. And I think they picked Dick Cheney for a lot of reasons. Do you think he picked it, or the family picked Dick Cheney? I think he got a lot of help from Papa. So, what percentage was uh, was Bush? I think Bush was probably about twenty five percent. Okay, so so was probably his dad. Okay, so Clinton picking Gore, who picked them? What percentage is Bill Clinton picking Gore? Mm. I think the same thing. I think the Democrat Party said, hey, okay. you know, you're Southern. You know, this guy's a good senator. He's got more experience than you do. You're just a governor. Remember, he was just a governor. Yep. You get a guy from Washington. From Arkansas. So. And then, so you took this neutral Tennessee guy that didn't have a lot of controversy, Gordon. Remember? People, you, I, I don't think in those positions, anybody, regardless of what party, I don't think the presidential candidate has much of a selection of who the one is the Vice President, I, I I think some some is more than others. I think, think some so? is more than I fully yeah. believe some is more than others. Like I fully believe uh, a you know a, a, what do you call it a Reagan is a guy that went in saying hey here's kind of who I like uh, uh, to be my guy and he was given feedback by James Baker with his options and they sit there and they process it and then he says here's who I'm picking okay great so and there's a lot of negotiation on picking as well like when uh, Kennedy picked Lyndon Johnson it was all strategy because Lyndon Johnson hated Kennedy so Kennedy wanted to get rid of one of his biggest enemies his number one enemy which is who and the fastest way to turn an enemy into an ally is to what hey will you be my VP and he says I really don't want to be your VP man you know the hell with you I should be the president you should even consider being my VP, but I get it. Let's make this work. And they needed Texas, so the electoral vote math was there. Remember, that thing was close. Yeah, so here's the magical question. What percentage of Biden was him picking Kamala? Uh, 20%. I disagree. I totally disagree. Zero percent? What do you think it was on you? So you think it's the party? I think it's zero percent Biden picking Kamala. I think, and the reason why it's zero percent is because Biden didn't win the election; the party did. Correct. Biden didn't win the election. Trump won the election. Okay. Bill Clinton won the election. If you think about that, Bush, the party won the election. I, I, I don't know if I'm sure, making sure, sense. No, yeah. you're right. So, Clinton so the was po- a campaigner. Yeah, man. Clinton, Clinton was, was a, a beast, right? Yeah. I, I also think Obama had a lot of same pick in Biden yeah. because Obama won the election. When, when Obama ran for office, don't forget, everybody was banking on who? Hillary to win. Okay, They weren't saying Obama's going to win. It was like Hillary's going to win. So 
Obama won that election. So whoever wins the election, I feel, has more of a say on who becomes VP Than the party. Versus whoever, whatever party wins it and they choose the candidate, the party chooses who's going to be your VP. I think Biden was 0% him choosing Kamala. Kamala. Biden was just told, Kamala's your VP. What do you think the percentage of somebody picking a VP just to get over the finish line or versus somebody that would be a good fit for them for the four years? Okay, so if you go back and think about who the VP candidates were for uh, for uh, uh, Biden, who were some of the ones that were good candidates? Uh, it was the do you Rice. remember the names? Susan Rice, Rice, exactly. Who else? Yep. Kamala Harris, obviously. Okay. If you have uh, a choice between Susan Rice and Kamala Harris, who do you go with? Are you 50-50? Yeah, I'm probably 50-50 because I'm not really a big fan of either one of them. Um, you know, Minnesota would have been a great choice. Minnesota would have been a great choice. Klobuchar? Okay, yeah. Minnesota or Michigan? No, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said the— uh, uh, Yeah, that's, that's what I thought you said. Uh, I thought Tulsi would have been an, an amazing choice. They would have never picked Tulsi. Because Tulsi they, says what's on her mind. They wouldn't have, you're asking me. Yeah. As an American, I yeah. would look there and saying, you know, veteran leading a state, even though it's why I, I would have admired that choice. Yeah. So to go back to it, when you're asking a question about Kamala Harris, did you hear about what Kamala Harris did yesterday, like uh, uh, working on uh, women and uh, women empowerment? You know who he, she reached out to for advice? Who's that? Bill Clinton. Wow. What? Is that confusing or what? Am I the only one that's... Have you guys seen this or no? Can you pull up Kamala Harris, ask Bill Clinton for advice, and the media flipped out. Like, she she's... Just put Bill Clinton... What, what, what watch angle? this here. Watch this here. Kamala Harris and Bill Clinton touting girl empowerment. Okay, can you... Like, that just makes no... By the way, and... Kamala Please. Harris and Bill Clinton touting girls empowerment together is a bad, bad joke. joke. Which news? Why Which can't, news, baby? Which news? By the way, this is NBC. Correcto. Which, why can't the Democratic Party quit the former president? If the party is truly going to welcome women, it has to get rid of the political milestone around its neck. Millstone. Millstone, millstone, millstone around this thing. So I just, I just don't understand why. <laughs> That's just so confusing. Does that look good for the party, by the way? No. Well, frankly, I'm glad that any woman calls me anymore. You know, oh, closing course, in on 80 here. Of course, they had to put that video in there, you know, about the Clinton affair. But by the what? way, this is NBC putting this out wow. there. This is not like anybody yeah. else putting this yeah. out there, right? Yeah, this, so This isn't Drudge or Fox here, no. No, that's, that's NBC that's News. my boys. Can we, see, can we see what, was the, what uh, CNN said about the headline here? Go, go to different headlines. Just go back. What CNN would say? So that? what did Fox News say? So, okay, President, okay, now go back. Go back. Fox is going to say. Just go back to where you were before. Kamala Harris to hold discussion with Bill Clinton on empowering women and girls. Okay, Fox News is actually very neutral. Yeah. NBC News took the shot. It's <laughs> a bad joke. Market Watch. Kamala Harris and Bill Clinton are holding a talk about women empowerment. Can you kind of go to what the rest of the line is? I mean, what? Q. Uh, 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 Biden, that's what. Oh, they don't even have it here. How funny is that? Everything we put in the search doesn't come down in the news. None of it matches the new. Did you see that? Go back and go back and do that again. Yeah, no, no. What does that have to do with what we search? Interesting. Wait, go. Wait, I'm confused here. Uh, this Google. We guys have don't in like the me. search Kamala Harris asks Bill Clinton for advice. We click on news. None of the links that come up is about what you searched on Google. Hmm. Go, the Google go, algorithm doesn't seem to want America to see the uh, Clinton story, do they? Go, go back up. Go back up to all. Okay, I guess. Now, try. Okay, 
Use the same exact, copy-paste exactly what you have and go to Yahoo. It's kind of interesting. What yeah. do search engines are? I'm curious. Yeah. Let's see what they say here. Just copy-paste. Okay. VP Slater 101 with Bookland and The Blaze. Okay, so The Blaze is at the top. Fair enough. They put The Blaze at the Go top. Go to the Washington is... Examiner. Rose McGowan asks if Kamala Harris has a soul. Wow. Do you even have a C- soul? Click on that. Click on that. Click on that. Actress and feminist. Rose McGowan asks if Kamala Harris has a soul after agreeing to obscene event with Bill Clinton on empowering women. Wow. That's not good, guys. That's I mean, these are all the people that defended Clinton, wanted yeah. to keep so him there because he was their guy. You well, know. no, Rose McGowan, if you know who she is, she's uh, um, this is obscene Kamala Harris. You speaking with Bill Clinton about empowering women and girls is disgusting. Have you no soul? Have you no ethics? Ask him about being on an island of human trafficking victims 27 times. You were showing us exactly who you are. Go back. Go back and let's see what other sites will say. You know, as I analyze that from Rose McGowan, I have a, a small sense that's kind of growing on me that she's upset. Go a little lower. Go a little lower. Go a little lower. Go a little lower. Okay. DavidIke.com came up. Well, you got to be kidding me. What okay. the hell was he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. All right. So, you know, so I, I, I don't know. The, the question I would have is who the hell is advising them right now? That's what I'm asking. So you have a meeting and you say, I'm thinking about putting a girl empowerment meeting together. Oh, you should call Bill Bing. Clinton. Yeah, exactly. By the way, do you, should be do, red you know, do you know how the media knows this? Huh? The media knows this because every day, oh, you know, there are agendas man. that are put out for the POTUS. What's POTUS doing today? And the media is given an agenda. He will be here going here. And then there's things they leave up the agenda and they get criticized because there is a billion dollar donor that was at the White House during that half hour. You yeah. know what I'm talking about, Matt? Yeah. So now sure. the vice president of the United States agenda had that on it. Mm-hmm. The only way they find out about this is either Clinton leaks it or it was already on the activity agenda that's given to the media so they can cover the uh, president and vice it's president common, it's common sense so man. it means it's that to your point who's advising them there's also somebody in there yeah yeah we'll put the clinton thing on there what's the worst that could happen if there's any criticism if she wanted a private conversation person, with yeah. bill clinton could she have it private meaning just make a phone call and nobody knows you're talking to them. correct absolutely sure so wait you're saying somebody set them up is what you're saying no no no. i'm saying that her team you're asking who's advising and i'm like yeah. that instinct i think is absolutely correct here because her daily agenda that's released to the media, if I was her advisor, I would say, you know, you shouldn't put Scratch. that phone call on there. Have a private phone call, get political, you know, advice from him on how to manage these situations. But for the love of God. I mean, but what advice could he give? What advice could he really give her? So spin it. Actually, actually yeah. thank you, yeah. Kamala, and spin it. Spin yeah. it. I'm a media masculine, and I'm not, I'm not saying be funny about it. I'm not being comical. I'm, I'm actually saying spin it. Spin it and say... Hey, uh, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, out of all the people you could have chosen to speak to about the, the matter of women empowerment, you have Oprah Winfrey. You have, uh, you know, uh, uh, Michelle Obama. You have, uh, you know— uh, Even Hillary. Uh, Hillary Clinton. You have Susan Rice. You have, you have, a, you have a number of women to yeah. go to. You have daughters. Yeah. Why, <laughs> yeah, daughter, uh, right? Ms. Yeah. Vice President Kamala Harris, why— why President Bill Clinton with the reputation that he has? I don't know how to spin it because I don't know why, with that list yeah. you just made, he would be number 87 on my political advice list. 1,000 million 87. <laughs> yeah. so how, but how do you actually try to yeah. spin that one? How do you spin yeah. that one? I think it was just incredibly bad judgment. Tom, that can't, that, I, I don't buy that. I, I don't buy that because I, I, I have a hard time buying that. I have a hard time buying. Well, he's the sh- he is a shrewd politician and very smart strategically, politically, but still, 
the consequence is this that we just saw. You know, yeah. NBC subheadline. What the hell was she thinking? I was. You know, I, I was. Know, that's it, confusing it, it, to me. If you ask me. Yeah. All right. Let's go through some of the folks here that have been commenting, and and I've, I've not come to you. I'm going to come to you right now. I'm freaking befuddled. Yeah. This yeah. Is, this is just entertaining for me when I'm hearing <laughs> this. I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure this out, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. I'm just so, taking heat, and I'm getting pissed off about it. Okay. The, the MS uh, uh, Miss uh, Maroon, fifty dollars. She said, "I've been working from home since last April and feel much more productive and stress of." The stress of being stuck in traffic is no longer there. The traffic in Toronto is horrible. By the way, great feedback, okay? So traffic, I don't disagree with her on. So to her, the value is the traffic creates stress. I want to go and work from home and be productive. Fine. The question then becomes, uh, Miss Maroon, would it be a fair assessment to assume that you're a teacher? If no, please let us know. I'm curious what your occupation mm. is on, uh, uh, on working from home or not working from home. Uh, 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 this year, Oradell Noel Zenitman said every Bitcoin transaction is already tracked and traceable. It's going to be about control equals tax manipulation, yep. etc. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> that, by the way, that sniff, it's about to lead to the parody with our friend, <laughs> a guy that did the parody. We're going to watch here together. I told uh, him I'm going to watch good. it. It's going to be reaction. I have not yet seen it. Oh, you man. saw it yesterday. Uh, We're gonna, have you seen it yet or you haven't seen the entire thing? <laughs> I, I, He's good. I saw part of the parody. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a look at it You're blaming me for the funny sound. No, but I'm do, I do sniffing myself. <laughs> That's right. You're Tom, sniffing I'm not, like... I'm not blaming you for the funny sound. No one makes more funny sound than me. I, I mean, I got a parody about me sniffing. I was thinking the system was broken. I'm chewing these guys out. I'm texting them. But okay, all right, let's you go know, through it here. I, I understand you're the source right, of sounds. But, but We've now, shared hotel rooms over 20 years. Tom, don't make me go there with your source of sounds. If we go I, to I the source that, of sounds, it's going to be a bad day for you, buddy. 2 a.m. I thought there was a truck It's going to be a bad day for you. Okay, all right. The more they try to go against Bitcoin, the more they legitimize its use case. It's a win for Bitcoin and cryptos no matter what. Okay. Then we have Smart Training 365 uh, Biomechanics gave $20. I've been trying to contact you for weeks. Your support team is very helpful, but I need to speak with you directly. I need one minute of your time. I have a suggestion of a business proposition. It's worth it, David. One minute. Here's what I suggest you do. Why don't you make a video for one minute? Send it to me. If it makes sense, I'll call you. Just so you get uh, this makes sense to you. I get hundreds of emails every day, and quite frankly, it's challenging for me to do that. But make your one-minute video. I'll commit to watching your one-minute video. If it makes sense, I'll get back and, to and, you. And, Dan, can I add something there? Yeah. And, sir, go find the Guy Kawasaki 10-page business plan, exactly 10-page, summarize it, and send it with your one-minute video. There we go. Okay, so then we have Good Mother gave another $10. She said, Biden administration said they won't turn away children, parents now enticed to traffic their kids. Not good. Who is going to take care of these kids? Very good right, point because exactly. these kids are coming with a number there. You're calling the number. Yeah. The number is not necessarily going to the parents. It's going to the trafficker. Yeah, the then they're sitting there, the coyote, and they're sitting there saying, who do we call? How do we get a hold of the parents? They don't know how to get a hold of the parents, and uh, they don't necessarily yeah. know how to handle many of these things over there. Then last but not least, PBD, $10 from Mr. Clean Bald Guy. What a phenomenal name, Mr. Clean, Clean Bald, Bald Guy. guy. PBD, do you think they couldn't give Biden some sort of a drug to just kind of give him a boost for an hour when he visits a like a local plant uh, parent-teacher conference, has more energy in the room? So let me talk to this guy here. I, I got something to tell you, Mr. Cleanball guy, and I hope you take this uh, feedback I give you in the, in the best possible way. And uh, if it makes sense, great. If you don't like it, you can say whatever you want. I will take it as well and receive it because I'm giving it to you. Uh, I had a call with one of my uh, very – close friends, let's call this person, that 
means a lot to me. And I spoke to this individual, and uh, one minute is the vaccine uh, uh, conspiracy theory. Another minute was what they're doing this. Another minute was uh, another conspiracy theory. Another minute was another conspiracy. 30 minutes, I heard 10 different conspiracy theories. And I, I paused this person. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, what? I said, uh, I said, you know all the stuff you said I've read about. Okay, What's, what, where are you going with this? I said, I've read about all these conspiracy theories as well. I said, when you read about all these conspiracy theories and you know you go down the rabbit hole, yeah, what about it? How long do you get stuck in that rabbit hole? Yeah, a long time. Oh, a long time. Yeah, a long you know, long time. One hour, two hours. That's okay. Is it really only one hour or is it a week, a month, a year, two years? What does it do to you? Then, here's my other question for you. Are you more tolerable to be around? Are you more paranoid? Are you more, you know, uh, f- you know uh, uh, annoying yourself because your brain cannot stop working, you lack sleep, you have anxiety, you have panic, all this other stuff? Yeah, I, I do have all of that. I said, then maybe you read the conspiracy theories that you're reading, but if you can't go, if you're not willing to commit your life to fixing that conspiracy theory, then go live your life. Right. I don't know if this makes sense sure. or not. Look, all of these conspiracy theories you read about, they're so entertaining. Tom, you okay? You got to use a restroom? It's, it's a, uh, nature's. It's, it's nature's. <laughs> nature's it's a yeah. first. It's, it's a later. first. <laughs> put the camera happens. Put the camera right here. This is a first. <laughs> we we got to get Tom. By the way. Hey, Brooker. Brooker, his daughter, if you're listening. Yeah, I think your daddy yeah. uh, needs the pens well, from his last uh, he, uh, episode of the business. Here's what just happened right now. <laughs> this, The joke was that only Adam would do this. <laughs> Only Adam would do this, but that empty chair is our buddy BizDoc Thomas Ellsworth, one of the greatest human beings I know in my life, had to go on a bio break. So what we need to do is we need to put a checklist moving forward before we start. Use the bathroom has to be added to the checklist. Okay, just think about it. he what. He's, he's right. nah, hey, by man. the way, if you've been mentored by Patrick Bed David, you already know. If you've been doing this for years, you already got. The golden bladder. Yeah, we, we, yeah. We, we build muscles there. We <laughs> build muscles there <laughs> ourselves is what we do. You, you know, to be mentored by PVD, you got to hold it down. By, by the way, what the hell were we talking about? What were we talking about prior to this? Yeah, to were, conspiracy conspiracy yeah. theory. So, so, no, 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 defense, but let me, yeah. let me go through just with the conspiracy theory deal. This is very important, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have to really uh, consider this for themselves. If you – you have having a hard time staying focused right now. If, if you If you are willing to do something about it, go, go for, for it. it. Yep. Meaning – so you know how, hey, I'm going to go fix human trafficking because I've read every single article on it, and I'm going to go out there myself, and I'm going to go contribute. Perfect. Go. Be, read every single one of them. More power to you. But if you're somebody that reads one, oh, my gosh, you're doing this. Reads one, oh, my gosh, you're doing this. Reads one, oh, my gosh, you're doing this. And you go too much down the rabbit hole without the ability to want to make an impact. It's just it's consuming your life, and it's not making you productive. You may want to minimize the amount of time you give and credence you give to a lot of conspiracy theories you read. Don't go too deep into it. Some people are going to say, that's how you hold people accountable. This is why people get away because somebody like you says a comment like this. I didn't tell you I don't. uh, 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 I look away. I didn't tell you I sit there and I say we shouldn't do something. I didn't tell you any of that stuff. All I'm saying is some people, it ruins their lives, their marriage, their relationship, the way they – do you do business the way they parent? I can't see. I can't tell you how many people I've seen mm-hmm. go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy sure. theories actually ruin their lives. Yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're not willing to commit to fixing an issue, you're not willing to campaign against it, uh, raise awareness. Uh, but if you are there, just 
like a pinball in a pinball machine and you're getting smacked everywhere. It's it's a rough place to be playing defense your entire life. You feel better, Tom? I feel much Everybody better. And Tom's back in the studio. No, you're, you're, after you're, a this is a real company. You're giving me a bottle <laughs> that I can pee in under the table. Gatorade, just like lemon no. lime. No, no, just like uh, Amazon. They give those uh, empty Coke bottles to all their drivers so they can pee in them while they're... Uh, you're being serious? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tom's... Yeah. So, 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 by the way, you officially took the entire part that was given to Adam away from him. So, Adam, if you're listening to this, you are no longer the guy... That we joked about, first podcast, coming late because you were using a bathroom. That officially has been given to Tom moving forward. Okay, so we've covered a lot now. I'm so sorry. What, why, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? So I get, I, get a, I get a message. I get a message from a guy saying, hey, did you see this guy that did the parody of you? I said, what are you talking about? What parody? <laughs> I, I'm, listen, I've seen a lot of parodies. They've done a lot of parodies of me. They make fun of the accent. They make fun of my look, all this stuff. But I actually thought this guy did a great job when uh, the reaction I get from uh, uh, Kai comes up to me. Kai says, hey, Pat. He said this. And he shows me the first 15 seconds. I said, stop. Stop it right now. I said, I like the stuff he's doing. I want to watch the whole thing. Let's do a reaction video and respond to him. So this is my first time watching it. I've only seen the first 15, 20 seconds. Can, can we watch it and pause it? Or do we want, want to watch it? What do you want to do? I, I see. You want to go through I, it or you want to pause it? I, I actually want to pause it a couple times. Kai, what do you think? Okay, then yeah. go through it. Let's see what he says here. Go ahead, and we'll comment on it. And we're off. <laughs> okay, you, you need audio for it to work, Kai. Okay, f- first of all, you're always clean with your suits. I don't know why his uh, collar's untucked. Yeah, they, he, well, untucked. we'll see what he's doing here. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Most people only see the final product of being an entrepreneur. Most people. The successes, great cars, the Honda CRV. And what the CRV. see is the hardships, the long years of struggle, the rejection, the knocking on doors and being held at gunpoint. He's got a gun. <laughs> Let me explain. Stop explaining things. Get out of my face, man. Okay, but say something. Cut it out, okay? Like, actually Just, explain Can you go set me. up for the next mafia interview? You were actually <laughs> in the like mafia. mafia interview. Huh? A real made man, yeah. Have you seen Goodfellas? Cause I, I freaking love that movie. Do you love that movie? <laughs> there are rules to the game, right? Because money the is a game. The game. One of the rules is seduction. Like, you gotta seduce Sedu- money. You, you gotta, gotta give him credit, though. Turned on, buddy. He studied well, you. you. I like to, you know, go to oh, whiteboard parties when I was a young man. Listen, oh, shit. I could out party anybody when I was a young man. We were ordering the bottles. A lot of people ask me, Patrick, uh, how do you double your money? How do you make that happen? And I said, let me ask you a question. And they say, well, Patrick, he's got the white t-shirt. He's first. missing the gold and chain, I though. Said, you know, tag your it. Now we need. By the way, go back. This is so funny. The the way he's he's. Uh, doing uh, how I uh, explained the interaction. <laughs> Go back a few seconds, this guy. When I was a young man, we were ordering the bottles. A lot of people ask me, yo, Patrick, uh, how do you double your money? How do you make that He's happen? got the accent. Said, Let me exactly. ask you a question. And they say, well, Patrick, I asked you a question first. And I said, you know, tag your it. Now we need, what are you going to do? And so they say, well, fine. If you're going to force me to talk hair all messy? rather than yourself, I guess I'll do it. And I say, good. That's good to hear. So basically, you got one guy making 250K a year. making a quarter of a million dollars a year. He's spending how much? 280 oh, k stop, stop it right there. Stop it. Go, go, <laughs> go back to the hand. Go back to the hand. Go back to the hand. Making a quarter of a million dollars a year. He's spending. Get ready to pause it, Kai. Boom! Right there. Let's be ready. Let's be ready. Matt, Matt, we're going to talk about something. Matt, no, hang on. Hang on. I was asking you. <laughs> That's it right there. Keep going, buddy. Oh. Ready to kill you. Siri, what's 24 times 36? The answer is 864. See? 
See, that's why college is becoming obsolete. <laughs> I sat my wife down the other day. Look, baby, we are committed for life. The court has to baby. die. So there's nothing we can do to come out of it because there's no way you're getting half. Seven things to <laughs> no take your time half. with, right? One is marriage. Take your time with marriage. So I told my wife, listen, baby, we got to keep looking good. We have to keep looking good because... Oh, here we go. The sniffs. Here we go, the sniffs. Are you cold? you want a tissue? No, no, I'm great. I'm just, I'm just letting my enemies know that I'm a competitor. You know, when you <laughs> inhale, you break. need people to know. It's supposed to startle you. Sharp inhale through the nose. The sniff. You see it in the animal kingdom all the time. The king gorilla will just. King gorilla. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, what is wrong with him? Like, what do you mean? Let's just talk about that. You worry about your game and executing on your plan. <laughs> now, there are actually uh, six areas I want to discuss with you on this life that you've lived. First, the story, you know, the story of being a good fella. I was thinking maybe you and I, we go in and we make a new one called Great Fella. Mm. What do you think? You know, it's not the <laughs> sniffing. lifestyle painted to be in the movies, of course, you know. I'm very lucky that I got out alive. So you're being a bit of a sissy right now. You're not the <laughs> And um, let me explain to you. Let me explain to you what I mean. You're a sissy. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> He's about to try the board. My number one goal as an entrepreneur <laughs> is to strike fear into the heart of my clients, right? So basically, you need to ask yourself, who is afraid? Who is literally terrified for their health, for their lives, for their family? And then how can I make money off of this person? You might think that I sound like Come a sissy when I say this. Let me explain. Let me explain to you what I mean. Oh, you, you think I'm funny? No, I never said that. Like funny how? Funny like a clown? Please don't get into this. Eh? The gangster life is not real. You got an income problem, Thomas, and that's why you <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Do you love Boom. peanut butter? Friendly. What happened, Kai? Magic spoon. A big thank you to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this video. What is this Magic Spoon story? It is a spoon. Oh, really? Okay. Is it? Was it Canadian? All right. So good for him, by the way. Nailed it. No, I like what he did. Uh, 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 and and title his, his name is what? Sinbad? Captain, What's his name? Captain Sinbad. Captain Sinbad. Great job. Good for you. Watches Valuetainment once. You see, you Watches Valuetainment <laughs> once and does this. So there you go. I commented. I said, I haven't seen it yet, but oh, a reaction will be coming soon, PBD. Here's a reaction video. So you got it. Funny. By the oh. way, you know, last night we were at the house, <laughs> and you guys are sitting there watching this cracking up. And this is your second time watching this. But last night we were watching, uh, uh, Adam watched uh, John Mason's uh, reaction video oh, from right, years ago. Right, Have right, you right. seen that one? John Mason did a good one. I've seen many of them. Eight, but eight, nine years ago? Yeah, he was, he was hilarious when he did that as well. John, John can do me better than I can do me <laughs> is, is how good he is with it. Okay, all good. Well, Sinbad, uh, you're hilarious. Uh, I just yeah. realized every time moving forward I sniff, I want to be thinking about you. Just so you know, we have a relationship for the rest of our lives with this sniffing situation. Okay. Um, Let's see what we got here to go through. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Okay, let's talk about Suez Canal. I think that's a very important issue to cover here. So enormous container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal, blocking one of the world's most vital shipping routes, okay? A massive cargo ship, just to kind of put in perspective how big this thing is, bigger than the Eiffel Tower, bigger than the Huge. Statue of Liberty, bigger than the Empire Empire State, State Building. building. That's a, how big this thing is. It's a quarter mile long wow. container ship. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous wow. how big this thing is. So I just saw in Business Insider for every hour it's estimated that it's costing four hundred million per hour. Yeah. Per hour is costing four hundred million dollars. So if you're wondering how uh, uh, wondering how a ship that weighs two hundred twenty thousand tons 
and is the size of an Empire State Building, ended up sideways. Canal officials say high winds from a sandstorm restricted visibility around the time the ship got stuck. The location on the ground it couldn't have been worse. The Suez Canal is vital, but narrow link in many global supply chains and delays there reverberate around the world. Around 10% of worldwide shipping traffic flows through its narrow waters, including roughly 5% of global traded crude oil. No one is shocked this happened. The Suez Canal is only 300 feet wide. Shipping companies uh, usually factor in extra days to their schedules to account for any unexpected delays. But if it ever, if the ever given clogs the canal for longer than that, prices of st- uh, stranded cargo from crude oil to consumer good could be affected. Tom, what do you think about this? I think we've got an outdated canal there. You know, at that at, nobody wants to pay to make any bigger and I I think it's just really really unfortunate you know there's nothing controversial I see about this other than man this is this canal was built when you know and it's never been significantly so okay so but there's there is a comment there that's what you're saying what you're saying is the world ought to come together put a budget to fix the canal if the world can come together and put a budget to fix the canal that doesn't become a one person whoever participates and benefits from it why don't we reinvest in it? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, you take a look at the uh, Panama Canal and the Suez Canal. Just take a map of the globe and say, you need, those hmm. two, you need those two points to get stuff shipped from here to here. I think there would be an issue with that, though, because there's a toll they pay for going through the canal. So at that point, I'd say, if I'm a captain, just we're paying you to go through this. We're paying you to use this road. Why don't you fix it? That's your problem. It's the toll roads in New England suck. They're all full of potholes. All those <laughs> tolls just go to the state. To your point, it should be used for maintenance and improvement, but we have a lot of examples on toll roads around the world that don't. Three to five million uh, barrels of oil per day are held back, so that's going to spike up gas prices. Uh, uh, yeah, Carrying jet fuel and gasoline, gasoline oil is a gasoline. Here, here's a global oil. map of get all the ships on the ocean. Wow. Where, where's wow. It, where, there's this, where's this the Suez. Ships. And we'll go to the Suez Canal right here. Egypt. Uh, yep. I think the white, I think it's, uh, they were saying it was like 300 feet wide at one point. you got to be kidding yeah. me. Yeah. Yep. So it's very now, tiny. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah, and they all have to stage. They stage there. The Are you kidding goal. me? That little, See? it'll be a thing. Yep. Wait, that, right there, yep. Suez Canal, that little thing. Are they are they able to fix it or not yet? Are they uh, making progress? It's stuck, and the thing is, the way the boat is built, it has like a bow on the front that is good for weather, but that one has literally dug into the ground. So they need to like dig in. They got a dredge or in there. they're talking about the other part is they got to start unloading containers somehow on other ships so that it'll become lighter, lighter so it floats stick, up it out. and they can readjust it. We got to unload it. That's going to yeah. be interesting. Get some cranes out there, ship to ship. Exactly. Yeah. So, this, so they're saying that this can take days, if not weeks, to get it rid of it, which obviously is going to clog a whole lot of global trade. And there's talks that They'll be similar to, you know, how with the pandemic outages in the supply chains, because the only option would be for companies to send their boats around uh, Africa. Co- co- the, the, uh, Horn of Africa, come up, Cape come Horn. up top. 
which is it, quite the yeah. detour. And quite was, the detour. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. And it cost, it's uh, heavy weather not, down there too. There's heavy weather at Cape Horn. It's like saying there's no Panama Canal. Same thing in the Suez see, take, Canal. Take a look at the uh, Gulf of Mexico. See all those red dots. Can you go those physically? Go physically to what it looks like. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. You were saying. No, I said. You, we'll get back to that in a second. Let's go take a look at the. There's this amazing Talk. picture of the stuck ship with this little tiny, looks like a Lego crane sitting next to it, digging in the sand. <laughs> look how sideways it is. There it is. There it is. See that? Suez Canal dredging firm. Take a look at that, Kai. Uh, right? <laughs> nope. Right next to it on the right. Down. Right there. Look at that. That's an enormous tractor. Look at this thing next to this. They're digging this out. A quarter like, of a mile ship. Yeah. And it looks like a little Lego, doesn't it? Just like. Down there. This now, is an the question is, how often does this happen? How often does this Sand happen? Sandstorms happen all the time. First time. Scirocco's, yeah. But uh, for that to be ground that way? What do they call them? Who, who gets held accountable for something like this? Who's accountable for something like this? This is a pretty big screw-up. The world is, I mean, the, the economy is affected by it. First Certain point. industries are affected by it. Who's, who's held accountable for this? Well, outside of the captain, uh, you got to look at the, the shipping company. The shipping company, you got to look at the uh, the port, the canal controls. So, uh, Morning Brew actually had a good good comment regarding the, the the trip. It's like driving from New York to Philadelphia via Calgary. Via, via Calgary. Yes, and it so adds way six, it adds six thousand miles and three hundred thousand dollars in fuel costs to the journey of going around versus through. Wow. So things, uh, this is a possibly a justification for, again, gas prices go up, fuel prices go up, other things that the Suez Canal ships to other manufacturers for goods and services to go up. Perfect Tom, are time you checking something? Were you looking at the Suez Canal stuff? or? Yeah. So basically, you've got two choices. Um, choice number one is you reroute things. Choice number two, freaking world comes together and figures out how to offload some of this stuff, make it lighter and then you need that's a giant tractor there you need <laughs> it's just like you need like 10 of those this the ship is the size of a country the japanese owner of a skyscraper sized cargo ship issues an apology <laughs> we're extremely sorry for causing tremendous worry to the ships that are traveling or scheduled to travel in the Suez Canal and all the related people. You missed the first word. Oops, comma, we're very sorry. <laughs> Damn, Gina. That's what he missed. It's like the Exxon Valdez, remember? You know, whether he was asleep or drunk, remember that? It's like, Louis, wake up. What? You hit a state. And this, it's just not going to take a few hours, a few days. It's going to take a few weeks for this to get fixed. Yep. Cargo between Asia and Europe ran aground Tuesday. Man-made canal dividing continental Africa... In the Sinai Peninsula. Woof. Woof. It all went sideways. Okay. So, last topic to talk about before we wrap up here. Um, uh, I'm looking at Twitter. Kyle, are you seeing any questions for us to go to? Are you seeing any questions for us to go to? Because I'm looking. I want to get the Twitter crowd. We get a couple questions here to wrap up with. Uh, you know, someone else going to okay. Where's mine? The jealousy Biden joined the Senate 120 years ago. <laughs> so funny. People love taking shots at uh, our buddy Biden here. Okay, so we Okay, if you guys got any questions posted there, but we're going to wrap up here with the Royal Caribbean story. Royal Caribbean just announced more fully vaccinated cruises 
this year, this time in the Mediterranean, Royal Caribbean just unveiled a new summer series of fully vaccinated crews on Mediterranean. Only one day after it announced a different lo- uh, collection of vaccine-mandated sailings from Bermuda. Vaccinated against COVID-19 and craving a warm summer escape abroad a cruise ship, Royal Caribbean's newly announced seven-night Mediterranean cruises may be a good fit for you. These new Mediterranean sailings will cruise with a vaccine mandate. This means all crew members and adult guests abroad the ship will have to be vaccinated against COVID-19, while passengers under 18 years old will instead have to test negative for the virus. However, Royal Caribbean notes that these protocols may change as they are evaluated on an ongoing basis. Thoughts? Well, we uh, we were participants in a Royal Caribbean cruise line a couple years ago. Yes, we, we, we went to Mediterranean. We went to uh, yes, we Greek did. Islands. A beautiful trip. Um, I remember when COVID first hit, they wouldn't let that uh, that cruise ship come aboard. Uh, and, and as much as people were hesitant about jumping on a plane, will you trust and physically trust your body in a in a, uh, a cruise liner for seven days, four days, five days, where you're around everybody, you eat everywhere, you're together. It's going to be interesting how the social distancing is going to take place, especially on the buffet when it's food time or, or time to go show or time to get in, in line for onboarding, onboarding, uh, debarking process. I think they're just trying to get back in business, baby. Yeah. They're just trying to get back in business. And one way to do it is, okay, if you're all vaccinated, come on here. We'll go on a trip. Because remember, there were three crises at the beginning of COVID, right? Crisis number one, what exactly is this virus? What do we do about it? We just didn't know the biological makeup yeah. of it. Second crisis is, what you know, it's, is this at the Wuhan food court, the, mm-hmm. wet, the wet meat market, or was it, you know, a lab over there? There was the China conspiracy. And then the next big story was the first two, before we were using the word super spreader, we had two cruise ships. That were basically stuck. Duck. Was yeah. it uh, off, off of uh, Washington? No, 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 no. In was, San Francisco, they, they ended up in San Francisco, but they were stuck in Tokyo, weren't they? Like Tokyo Harbor, the, the cruise ships at the very beginning of COVID, mm-hmm. and cruise ships have never had a reputation for being perfectly clean. People <laughs> talk about the water and food poisoning and things like this. So I think they're just trying to get back in business, and they're saying this is the way we're going to do it. I think it's that simple. Get some revenue coming in. Yeah, the Pritzker family owns it. The Illinois governor, Jim uh, uh, Jimbo Pritzker. Um, 55th richest man in the world. The government of that family owns the uh, Royal Caribbean. You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting travel. I, I think with what we experienced just coming down here to Boca, flying in Fort Lauderdale, just to see the explosion of of rental cars and businesses and people coming down here. I think the same thing potentially going to happen here with with cruise line people. There's a the, the parties you were talking about. The, the person wants just to stay home. The person's okay around other people, and the third person says, "I'm I'm fine just being out and about. They're ready to go." Who who has the most uh, influence? The radical uh, who is like, dude, I, I don't really care whether I wear a mask or not. The radical who is extremely paranoid, don't get near me, don't touch me. You know, th- this is we're being foolish. State of Texas being irresponsible for getting people to go back to work. This is not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Or the people in the middle who are like, let's just tell me what the rules and regulations are. Follow it. Who has the most more influence? influence? The most influence for everybody to be scared for their uh, criticism of the other side. Which of those three would you say it is? I think it's the one in the middle, the second one, because they have the bigger, you know, it's a broader base, uh, people that aren't, uh, you know, they're okay with being amongst other people and kind of let me know what the rules are, we'll follow. I think that's uh, the folks with the most influence. What do you think? I think people started out scared, and then they were frustrated, and now you have vaccination that people think is a panacea seal. Just let me remind everybody we get vaccinated for the flu every year because these viruses morph, you know, they evolve. Um, I, I think that the 
seeing more people doing more normal things with a vaccination is a big peer pressure and raise and drops people's guard to say, you know what, honey, we can go out now. We can go to dinner now. I'm seeing more of our friends do it. They take a mask, they're very careful, but they're vaccinated and they're getting back into it. We can do that too. I think that's a very the peer around you seeing them to doing get more back things, to normal. To that who has the normal. influence. We all want to get I back think to that's normal. Fair. And I think I think that's what do you think, Kai? Which of the groups have more influence? Yeah. Uh, I think the the radical, uh, like, don't care at all, no mask, no crew, um, I think those are obviously everyone can look at them and call them the crazy ones. Uh, so in a sense, I think it's more the, not the middle, but the, the hysterical ones. That That's kind of where I'm at. Because they'll play the victim card. Yes. Or they'll scream, scream a wolf. So I definitely think that. Those and everybody's stories, scared now. He's yeah. walking on eggshells. Did you see what this person said? Did you see what that person exactly. said? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I agree this with you. This person's doing that. That's horrible yep. because of X, Y, Z. I agree with you there. Okay, final thoughts. Matt, any final thoughts on your end or uh, Tom? Anything you guys got? You know, my, you know, my final thoughts are back with this whole uh, New York pot legalization. It's interesting to see how things have progressed over the years where, you know, especially being... <laughs> Especially being a parent, it's just uh, uh, it's just been interesting for me as a journey as a dad trying to raise my kids in this uh, legalized marijuana uh, type world. <laughs> exactly, way too natural right there. Yeah, way too natural right there. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it in Boogie Nights. I yeah, know. right. You saw it in Almost Famous. Almost I, Famous I, is where you saw it. I am a golden god. And my last thoughts is uh, uh, Gen Z and on remote work. I'm looking forward to a hybrid model. I think uh, people are are waiting to get back into connection with folks. There's there's going to be some people that feel much more comfortable being isolated, I think, for the majority of folks out there that are waiting to get out. I mean, just to see what people are doing here, flying into Florida, people are waiting to connect again. Uh, I'm glad to see the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine, the one shot, come out. I'm glad to see Pfizer's doing well in America with the two shot. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see more people getting vaccinated. And the more time that's out there also means that the more uh, variants of the vaccine and the testing that's going on and to make that better, I think that's good. And I, I'm glad that American business is sensibly, in many cases, sense, very sensibly, trying to get back going and get back, people back to work. And um, uh, I'm impressed with the resiliency of America just this past week and the things I've seen. And I also traveled down here. I traveled from Dallas. So I agree with your comments about travel and people getting back to it. I disagree with all those, you know, people that were just super spreading down in Miami. Mm -hmm. Not the way to do it. Have some brains, man. Shout out to uh, Corrupted, $50, PVD and crew, your thoughts on U.S. infighting with each other like uh, we're gang members, blue and red, when in reality it's China who's the enemy. Sorry for interrupting. But congratulations, buddy. I really what we got? What we got? Oh, What's up, Saucy? Wait, I get a certificate. Huh? So he is part of the Soy Boy <laughs> Mafia. Oh, he's in. He's in. He's in. Oh, oh you're officially wow. Congratulations. By the way, is there is there a shirt? Is there is there like a token he gets? We're just or a... gonna pee on you. <laughs> you got the bad boy on there. <laughs> now we need a Taylor Swift shake it off playing right now. You know. Did you see that? That was impressive. No. Watching it live, I was like, this can't be happening. Ran off, by the way. Didn't even. Well, I mean, you are free officially, Adam. You are free. I hope you think, Tom, maybe take him out to Chipotle or something. This is a big deal. Yeah. This is good, I, I, man. This is fantastic. Yeah. I think it's actually an emotional moment for you. It's actually probably an emotional moment for you witnessing yeah, something like this take place. Well. We're, we're now, uh, you know, there's blood brothers. We're now urine brothers. Well, uh, the golden bladder award. For those of you that witness <laughs> history, being made today with Tom Ellsworth. This is the first time ever in 48 episodes somebody's done that. History. It went officially in the history books. Records are being made and broken. And today's record was broken by Mr. Thomas 
Ellsworth. First two. First two. That's Ooh. right. We're hey, big on first hey, twos. I'm huge yeah. on first twos. We're big, big on first twos. We like first twos. You're amazing, Adam. Let me tell you. You're amazing for coming out and, and, uh, and giving out shout out to Tom. <laughs> Gang, if you're watching this, if you enjoyed it, the uh, last $50 came from Yimmy Marino. You guys are great. I highly recommend my friends to watch your podcasts and videos. Started to read the book. My son and I also listen to the videos when I'm driving. Phenomenal. Thank you for that, gang. If you enjoyed today's podcast, click that subscribe button. Help us get to 100,000 subscribers. And I think we're doing this again next Tuesday. Tuesday, 9 o'clock. Again, put it in your calendar. We'll see you there. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, BBD.